Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takes by fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. Um, or we po- <laughs> we're live there. You go. I don't even know where we are. I, I'm sorry, Fox. Jeez, let's start the intro again. Jeez, Louise. Um, just making sure all the volume is fine. But, uh, yeah, we're live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash takesbyfans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch, watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Whew. All right. Today is a big old Tuesday. Week one has officially wrapped up, folks. It is done. Week one is done and gone. How crazy is that? We've waited months on months on months for football to begin, and week one just kind of breezes right by us, but... Today on the show, Tuesday, uh, you know, Tuesdays during our NFL season, we've got some lists that we have to do. Now that we've kind of broke down all the games, we still have to break down some games because we went late uh, on Monday. But usually on Monday, we're done breaking down all the games. Uh, Tuesday, we kind of touch on the Monday night game, which we will do. Uh, but uh, we've got a couple of lists. So we have to do our power rankings today, our first power rankings of the season. Uh, we have our fame and shame list where, you know, we highlight the players that, you know, helped us win our picks and uh, kind of, you know, clown the players that, you know, ruined our picks because we put in our due diligence of picking these players in teams for our weekly picks and they come up and bite us in the butt. We do our research, we do our due diligence, but they don't do their part on the field. Somebody's got to be held accountable, and we're not gonna hold, we're not gonna hold ourselves accountable. What are you nuts? Uh, so we gotta hold those players accountable, folks. So our first of the season, fame and shameless as well. And then we've got a specialist. I don't want to kind of give the name away because I think it's really good. Um, but um, yeah, we are focusing big on the tight ends, folks. And uh, you know we're gonna be you know ranking some tight ends throughout this uh, season to kind of give our 2020 I can't say the name of it but we'll get there later in the show but we will crown our 2021 best tight end in the league so we'll get to all that today on the show Uh, but before we get into all the uh, other game breakdowns that we need to get into I mean can we just talk about Andy Dalton still folks I mean I, I, I we gotta drive the point home how do we drive the point home to Matt Nagy now I don't think Andy Dalton's probably going to start next week because it is the Bengals. I mean, you can't not start Andy Dalton. I don't like Andy Dalton. I don't think Andy Dalton is good. I don't think Andy Dalton should be starting anywhere in this league. I don't think that Andy Dalton can ever win a playoff game. I don't even know if Andy Dalton can... I don't even know if Andy Dalton can win a big game, honestly. So with all that being said, he has to start this week against the Bengals, his revenge game, his kind of last opportunity to play against the Cincinnati Bengals because I don't see this man getting another starting opportunity after, you know, he's done with the Bears this season because we all know it's not going to last two seasons here. It makes no sense to do that. Um, but, um, yeah, Andy Dalton's going to play against the Bengals, but then after that, I mean, Matt Nagy, you've got to pull the plug on this dude. I mean, truly. So we get his passing chart from this weekend. And I mean, folks, look at all this. Everything's just kind of 10 yards. This is not extending the field. I mean, what the heck are we doing? If, if, if I'm a defensive coordinator gearing up for Andy Dalton, I'm like, I'm licking my chops. I'm like, oh yes, we are pressing tight with our defensive corners. Get up on the 
those receivers. Absolutely, because they're not going to run by us. They're not going deep. Look at this man's passing charts. I mean, we've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. 17 pass completions from the line of scrimmage to the five-yard line. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about 17 completions of just five-yard dink and dunk routes. Nothing great. And then we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then we've got ten from the five to the ten. So the max that he was throwing was 10 yards. Everything above 10 yards was an incomplete pass or an interception. There was two passes more than 10 yards. Two of them were, or there were three passes more than 10 yards. Two of them were incomplete. And the one that went 15 yards, the furthest, the furthest pass he threw all game was an interception 15 yards down the field. So it's like, what are we doing with Andy Dalton, the dink and dunk king? And we knew, you know, his stats, once again, his stats always seem good on paper, but we say, they don't result in the wins. We know that. Same thing last season with the Cowboys. Their offense was pretty solid. Uh, you know, we can blame their defense last season for all the failures and shortcomings that the Cowboys had. That's fine. But, you know, ultimately what also made Andy Dalton a little successful with that Cowboys offense was their offensive weapons. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and then you had Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. I mean, those are some great weapons. And Andy Dalton... He doesn't have those weapons here in Chicago. I mean, no disrespect, but disrespect to these Cowboys weapons. They're not, or these Bears weapons. They're not as good as the Cowboys weapons are. And we see that in this uh, pass chart here by Andy Dalton, not stretching the field, the field vertically, dinking and dunking the entire time, resulting into no points, resulting into getting down big, resulting into not being really competitive. And just, he only threw one touchdown. It's, you know, Justin Fields doing the rest. So. Why the heck is Andy Dalton starting? Matt Nagy, you truly deserve not to be a head coach in this league anymore. I mean, it makes no sense to start this man. We've been saying it's made no sense the entire offseason. And exactly what we said ha what exactly what we said would happen did happen week one. I mean, how many more times do we need to see Andy Dalton not get it done to say he can't get it done? It's enough with this dude already. Matt Nagy, make the switch. Make the damn switch. If you've got some real, you know, hefty, you know, balls going on, you would not start Andy Dalton this week. It doesn't care about the Bengals. Okay, it's week two. Swallow your pride and be like, I made a mistake not starting Justin Fields. I'll start him week two. I don't think Matt Nagy does that. doesn't seem like he's going to do that, but hopefully by week three, Matt Nagy can kind of, you know, clear his head and know that he's making the wrong decision after they're 0-2 and the season is on the line. You better hope Justin Fields can turn it on and flip that switch uh, with without those kind of two games under his belt like every other NFL player has had. And, uh, you know, he'll go into week three inexperienced, two weeks behind everybody else in natural progression and rhythm and just, uh, you know, game management, game conditioning. The longer you wait, Matt Nagy, the worse the transition is going to be. So you better swallow that pride. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely trash Andy Dalton, we know. And, uh, you know, just this passing chart is absolutely pathetic it's pathetic 
Alrighty, that's all I wanted to talk about quickly at the start of the show, but uh, let's continue on breaking down the games from Sunday. I think we've got about four games left to talk about, break down, see what these quarterbacks and defensive and special teams players and uh, you know weapons offensively, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, what they were doing all game long. So we left off on the Rams-Bears we wanted to squeeze that in, but let's go to this uh, Browns-Chiefs game that we did not get to. And once again, folks, what did we say all offseason? Watch out for this Browns team. They went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. And once again, this is one of the, what do we say, about four or five games where, you know, whichever team lost, you don't have an overreaction. Fans, calm down. The Bills were one we were talking about. The Colts is another. The Colts-Seahawks, you know, whoever won that game and whoever lost that game really can't kind of, you know, um, you know, fall off and just kind of abandon and jump ship on that team because I mean they went where they were facing two great teams. Same thing with Cowboys Bucks, Cowboys fans, you know, Cowboys rooters, whatever you are. Don't jump ship. The Cowboys are still great. They just unfortunately had to face the Bucks, another great team. Same thing here. Seahawks Colts. Colts should be fine. This isn't a kind of an over exaggerated loss. Uh, who else did we say? Uh, the Titans. I don't know. Maybe I think if you're the Titans, you may want to start kind of, you know, jumping shit because I don't know. This Cardinals team was looking real gosh dang good. And the Titans really didn't put up a fight. Uh, Steelers-Bills is another type of that game where the Bills fans don't jump ship just quite yet. It was the Steelers week one. It's unfortunate, but that's another great team. Browns-Chiefs. Um, and that was it. So about three, four games. Where the loser, it's okay because you were facing an absolutely great opponent week one. And that's exactly what happened here with the Browns and the Chiefs. Browns got out to a nice big lead. Unfortunately, a fumble kind of led to the undoing of the Browns. We get Nick Chubb, a great running back, but he fumbled at the worst time. They were up 22-17, to but then they fumble. And then the Chiefs come back with a field goal to make it 22-20. But, uh, you know, just the Browns were just never back in that rhythm. They scored a touchdown to to go up by nine, but you know, just something about that offense sputtered because after that next touchdown, they go turnover on downs, uh, three and out, and then an interception, and that really closes out the game. So, those turnovers, not great, just really kind of just changed the overall flow of the offense here for the Browns. And we know this offense for the Browns is fragile just because of the situation that they're in. You know, Baker Mayfield kind of being an above average game manager, um, you know, that interception. You know, now you're not managing the game at that point. You know, you're throwing the game kind of away. And that's why they lose by one possession, only four points. So Baker Mayfield needs to cut down on the turnovers. And that's what we saw last season as well. That's what was kind of holding him back for being kind of, you know, classified classified in our kind of book as an above average game manager. You cannot be turning the ball over as an above average game manager at the quarterback position. Ryan Tannehill rarely turns over the ball. And look what he's been doing success-wise these last two seasons. Browns, once again, not really, you know, Baker Mayfield was turning the ball over, but when he wasn't, I mean, they were going trying to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs last season in the playoffs, but he did turn the ball over, and that's kind of, you know, what was their downfall. So Baker Mayfield needs to clean up the turnovers, but everything else, he can just kind of command this team. Look at this man's stats, 28 or 21 of 28. Let's get the completion percentage on that because we want to work with the uh, the percentage numbers. Uh, so let's see what we got. 21 out of 28 here. 
A nice 75% completion percentage. We can buy that all day while also throwing 321 yards on 21 completions. That's absolutely great. So the man put up the yards. He was efficient. He was accurate. Just truly unfortunate with the one interception here that came with their last chance. He threw the interception. There was three minutes left in the game. They were down four points, need to move the ball down the field. They're first and 10 at their own 48-yard line, and unfortunately, he throws an interception that really costs them the game, and that's over at that point. So, you know, Baker Mayfield, no real clutchability. That has to get worked out, but just the kind of playing in the game and being in the position to win the games and have a lead, that's what Kevin Stefanski can do. The man is a real, real smart head coach, and we have to give him credit. It's just unfortunate. Unfortunate, you face the Chiefs. That's all it is. You face the Chiefs, and uh, you know Baker Mayfield on the road, Week One against you know the best quarterback in the league, Patrick Mahomes, against you know top three team in the league, the Chiefs. It just all got to him, and he wasn't able to pull it up in the clutch. It's unfortunate. But we're not worrying about this Browns team. We're still big in this Browns team. We've got our power rankings later today. And I don't want to spoil anything, but don't be surprised if you see this Browns team in the top 10. Maybe even number one. Do I put them number one? No, but maybe they're number two. Maybe they're number two. So love what the Browns did. On Sunday, Baker Mayfield had a good game besides the interception. Um, you know, obviously we want him to, you know, score touchdowns, but with 321 yards, I mean, you're putting your running backs in position to score, and that's exactly what happened. Nick Chubb, 15 carries for 83 yards in two touchdowns. Unfortunately, he also had the fumble. So once again, they need to clean up the turnovers. They had two of them and only lost by four. That's a pretty good outing uh, for the Browns, especially going against this Chiefs team. Then we had Kareem Hunt rush uh, six times for 33 yards and score a touchdown. So the running back by committee is still getting it done. The Thunder, the Lightning, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt is still getting it done. Why we like this Browns team. And now let's talk about these wide receivers that were getting it done, catching 321 yards by Baker Mayfield. Well, the leading wide receiver was a tight end, David Njoku. Ooh, three receptions for 76 yards. Give that man some credit, folks. Fantastic. And then wide uh, receiver number two, Jarvis Landry, five receptions for 71 yards, and he caught 100%. Targeted five times, five catches. Fantastic. Then we have Anthony Schwartz, three receptions for 69 yards. Kareem Hunt, three receptions for 28 yards. Austin Hooper, three receptions for 27 yards. OBJ, he was a no-go for this game. Coming back from the ACL, just didn't quite feel like it was up uh, up to snuff to play, but we should definitely expect him to play this week coming up. So they did all this. They were able to move the ball. Baker Mayfield was efficient, accurate, moving the ball down the field, and that was all without OBJ. So another kind of green flag for this Browns team moving forward. Do not jump ship on this Browns team. They are fine. They are still going to be very, very good. It's unfortunate that they just had to face a great team week one. I mean, look at the start that they got off when, folks. Three straight possessions, three straight touchdowns, folks. Absolutely fantastic. And they scored a two-point conversion on the first one. Aggressive, knowing you have to be aggressive here because you're going against the Chiefs. So a hot start. You give credit to Kevin Stefanski. I mean, they scored on literally every single drive. Unfortunately, um, 
They didn't really have time on the last drive. They had four drives, but they start on their own one-yard line with a minute 31 seconds left. They just couldn't get into field goal range. It's unfortunate. Um, but they almost said they just kind of ran out of time. Um, they got it down to – where did they get this down to? Let's watch this. Jeez. Um, I think they got it all the way down to, like, the two-yard line. Just unfortunate they ran out of time. So let's watch this um, Hail Mary. Nope. Okay, well, the highlight's not going to pop up, so I guess we won't watch this. And now it's absolutely blocking our screen. So, okay. Well, we can't watch that highlight. And it's blocking our screen. So that's not great. Okay, well, this isn't good. Okay, but anyway, the Browns are fine, folks. Don't worry about the Browns. That's our final statement about uh, on the Browns. Uh, I think we're going to have to bring something else up here. Are we losing our connection? Is that what's going on? Losing our connection 15 minutes into the show. That's never great. Um, all right, but let's uh, try to get back there. That page froze for some whatever reason. So let's see if we can bring it right back up. Here we go. Chiefs, Browns. Okay, we are back. Here we go. All right, so Browns, Baker Mayfield, all looking good. Now let's talk uh, talk about Patrick Mahomes because, once again, Patrick Mahomes down big, down bad. It doesn't matter. And once again, why the Chiefs are such a great team in this league. Cool, calm, collected, down big, down bad. Was down 15-3 to at one point. Doesn't phase him because Patrick Mahomes knows that he can score quickly and at will and whenever he really wants. And that's exactly what happened. After they got down 15-3, to they just kind of started putting up the points they went and made it a five-point game making it 15 to 10 then they got back down 22 to 10 they go into halftime Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes they come up with the game plan because right out of the gate they score a touchdown their next drive they score a field goal making it 22 to 20 only down two Browns go down and score another touchdown Chiefs say hey that's no worries now we're down two two possessions nine points okay <laughs> y'all act like we haven't been down before we've been down in the Super Bowl we won that game you don't think we can come back down at our home field week one come on don't play us so they go down and make it 27 29 and then the turnover on downs and Patrick Mahomes is like oh y'all gave us an opportunity and we're gonna go out and take it they score a touchdown four point game Browns can't do anything they go three and out they get one more chance at it and Baker Mayfield throws the interception so Chiefs, you know, cool, calm, collected throughout the entire game. Patrick Mahomes doing what he does. Y'all already know. Um, Patrick Mahomes goes 27 of 36 for 337 yards. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. A clean game by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you got to give him credit. Not turning the ball over. Got down, no worries, stayed the course, threw some touchdowns, got his team down the field, and they win the game by four points. So fantastic there by Patrick Mahomes. Always great. Uh, let's get the completion percentage up for Patty. 27 of 36. We got a nice 75% completion percentage. So both throwing 75%, folks. Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes basically all on the same yardage. 321 yards for Baker Mayfield. 337 yards per, for Patrick Mahomes. The only difference was Patrick Mahomes was throwing touchdowns and uh, Baker Mayfield was getting his team in the red zone, not throwing touchdowns, and then throwing an interception, not being clutch. Unfortunate. 
All right, the running game for the Chiefs, nothing special. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just kind of average-ish out here. 14 carries for 43 yards, 3 yards a carry. Well, like we said, nothing special. So, you know, the running game isn't helping out Patrick Mahomes. And he's still having to do it all himself, basically. He rushed 5 times for 18 yards and a touchdown. You know, exactly what Patrick Mahomes does. He's not like Lamar Jackson. Did you see Lamar Jackson rushing all over the field in last night's game? That's not what Patrick Mahomes is. He's not the same dual threat quarterback as Lamar Jackson and that's fine. That's not a knock on either of the players. They've just got different kind of play styles. Lamar Jackson just kind of relies on his legs a lot. Patrick Mahomes is really not a classic dual threat uh, quarterback. He doesn't rely on his legs to be a a, a medium or even big size of his game overall. Kyler Murray uses his likes to his advantage a lot of the time. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. And once again, that's fine. They're both successful. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes can rely on his arm 99% of the time. Patrick Mahomes will use his legs on kind of like a third and two just to pick up the first down. It's always like it's only there to pick up the first down uh, for Patrick Mahomes. Where Lamar Jackson, a little bit of Kyler Murray, they're looking for like the home run hitter. Especially Lamar Jackson's really kind of looking for for the home run hitter the majority of the times that he plans on rushing the ball. And we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit when we get to that game as well. Uh, but well done by Patrick Mahomes, really just slinging the ball around. And then here we go, folks. Quiz time. Quiz time. Real easy quiz to pass. So here we go. I'll give you a couple of seconds. Here we go. Who are the top two leading receivers here for the Chiefs, folks? It's not that hard. I'll give you all five seconds. Top two receivers for the Chiefs. All right, folks, I'm sure you all guessed them, but here we go. Number one is Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions for 197 yards and a touchdown. Yes, sir, Tyreek Hill is the best wide receiver in the league, folks. you got to start giving this man way, 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 way more credit. I'm done hearing about Devontae Adams because he can get separation off the line with one step. I'm over that. It's Tyreek Hill, folks. Give this man his respect. He's got got the speed that he can that you have to just respect because he could take the top off the defense whenever he wants and they know he can do that and he's still doing it I mean how do you not have a game plan for Tyreek Hill at this stage he was just killing the league last season and now he puts up 197 yards game one come on start respecting the man and then number two out here, obviously, obviously, Travis Kelsey, six receptions for 76 yards and two touchdowns getting it done in the red zone like we know Travis Kelsey does. So Patrick Mahomes is still going to his bread and butter. Andy Reid is still loving this trio. I mean, sheesh, Andy Reid cannot believe that this all just kind of fell into his lap a little bit, that he was able to get all this great talent here for this Chiefs team because this is what Andy Andy Reid has wanted his entire career. This is a, a nice, strong, big, tall, tight end, a fast, speedy, shifty wide receiver, and then the best quarterback of all time in, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. So, man, oh, man, Andy Reid, he's really struck gold here with this trio. It gets it done every single game, and it was no different on Sunday. 
Then we had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, three catches out of the backfield for 29 yards. Look at that man go. But, I mean, just look at the d disparity, folks, between Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It's just like they really don't go to anybody else. I'm, double, I, I'm doubling both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and I will live with the results. I may even triple-team Tyreek Hill if I have to, and I will leave everybody else wide open. It's just, unfortunately, what you may have to do. I don't even know if Patrick Mahomes can throw to anybody else. I think his accuracy kind of drops off when he's going to everybody else because he's like, y'all don't catch the ball. Y'all won't go up and catch the ball like that and, you know, sacrifice your body and touch, catch it in the tight windows. Y'all won't do that. These two do it for me, so... Um, but yeah, Tyreek Hill, 15 targets, folks. Travis Kelsey, 7 targets. The next highest in targets was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, their running back. And then the next highest tied with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was Mecole Harmon, another wide receiver. But it's just like he, he knows where his bread is buttered. He's going to go to these great playmakers um, that have proven time and 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 time again that they will go out and get it done. So, Patrick Mahomes... Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, that trio, man. I don't know if there's another trio. What other trio is like that in the league? I don't know, folks. They're truly getting it done. So, very well done by the Chiefs. Just stay in the course. Didn't kind of get phased by a big deficit. Big deficit down 10, down 15. It didn't matter. They always stayed the course, and they end up winning the game. So, give credit to the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and uh, Andy Reid and company are still looking like the best team and the team to beat here in the NFL. So that was Browns, Chiefs, Chiefs win by four, 33-29. All righty, next game up here. What do we got? We just talked about this one. All right, so now we are up to the Packers and the Saints. And folks, folks, we didn't look at Aaron Rodgers' playoff history this offseason for no reason we think Aaron Rodgers is a little bit kind of overrated and yes I'm not afraid to say that you can strike me down everybody fans critics everybody you can strike me down for saying Aaron Rodgers is a little overrated not hugely overrated but a little overrated little bit, I would say at least 1% overrated. I may all the way go up to maybe 5 or even 10% overrated, but he's just kind of careless with the ball when his heart's not in it, when he feels like he doesn't want to play anymore. You just see his attitude in this Packers team. I mean, this Packers team has floundered a couple of times in the past couple of seasons because Aaron Rodgers will just phone it in. We just saw it last season notoriously um, against the Bucks in the regular season, not the playoff game in the regular season, even though he did flounder in the playoff game as well, only scoring seven points on three Tom Brady interceptions. What the hell is that? That's not greatest of all time football. And y'all won't change my mind on that. For talking about greatest of all time, you better make sure you are truly getting it done in the biggest games over and over and over again. Not at 100% clip rate, but, you know, at least what Tom Brady's doing, 7 out of 10. <laughs> 70%. Give me a 70%. I may even settle for like 65, 60%, but Aaron Rodgers is nowhere near 60% anyway, so we don't even have to worry about that. But um, Aaron Rodgers... Phones it in. Last season, in the regular season, against the Bucs, drew two interceptions. Back-to-back, -back, one pick six, another interception. Phones it in for the rest of this game. What happens kind of here as well? He throws an interception in the third quarter and then throws it on the following possession in the third quarter and then just kind of phones it in for the rest of the game. He was kind of phoning it in for the entire game here, and they end up getting blown out 38-3. to And, you know, we wanted to stay away from this game because we believed in the Packers, especially since the 
Saints weren't even at home anymore. The Packers were minus three and a half in this game, folks, and they got blown out by 35 points. So now... You know, what we've been saying in the offseason with Aaron Rodgers, his potential fuck it year where he just lays it all loose. And also, how does his kind of, you know, temper and how does his personality just kind of change when they go through adversity? Because, you know, there was some adversity in the offseason, you know, with him and the organization not meeting eye to eye. But then it got a little bit better once training camp started and everything seemed to be going good. Everyone was talking highly about each other. Aaron Rodgers was talking highly about the coach and the general manager and vice versa. They all had big praise for Aaron Rodgers and everything was going good. They were kind of giving him everything he wanted. They renegotiated the contract. He got one of the wide receivers. Receivers. They still didn't bring in Clay Matthews yet. That's still on the table. And now, what do you do there? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is probably a little upset after this game. So he's like, hey, get me Clay Matthews and I'll be a little bit happier. But now that they're starting to face some adversity, does Aaron Rodgers just completely crumble, completely turn villain and be like, you know, it's all on them and keep, you know, letting it loose. One of our predictions for the season was Aaron Rodgers throws the most interceptions he's ever had in the season, which is still like 13 because he's so gosh dang good. But we just saw two on Sunday. So, you know, that kind of checks out his fuck it year trying to just do it all himself because he knows he won't be here this next year. So Aaron Rodgers, same old Aaron Rodgers we saw in the playoffs not truly getting it done in a big game here. His potential last season, want to get out to a hot start, would like to have, you know, the entire offseason and all those narratives that came with it, you know, swept under the rug a little bit. And you could have done that by blowing out the Saints week one. Instead, you you get blown out by the Saints week one and we're, you know, re-bringing up all the narratives in the offseason because now they are relevant because you're 0-1 and we have to start thinking about, well, why did y'all lose this game and why did y'all not look prepared? Well, Aaron Rodgers with the holdout, yes, he was in training camp, but he wasn't in OTAs and then just kind of, you know, holding the team hostage of, you know, if Aaron Rodgers is not happy, then, you know, he can make everybody's life miserable in the Packers organization and this is the performance that all that chaos in the offseason kind of leads to. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Packers team for the rest of the season, but they did not make a good impression week one. And now, once again, we, you know, there was kind of two ways that this Packers season could have played out. Aaron Rodgers goes great. They go like let's just say 13 and four with the 17 games. Now they were looking great from week one to week 18, no worries. And you know, everybody would have forgotten about the off season and everybody would have been looking forward to, you know, Aaron Rodgers winning a Super Bowl this year and then coming back next year. Or the other option that we are currently seeing play out is they crumble out to a slow start and you know, everybody's pointing fingers. And now, you know, we really truly have to see what is going on here with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur and the owner, uh, Brian, gut against so not great here for this Packers team. Aaron Rodgers, 15 of 28 for 133 yards, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions. Jeez, absolutely not great. Completion percentage at 53%. What the hell is that? Aaron Rodgers, absolutely trash. So, Aaron Rodgers, not a good game here in the regular season. Let's look at some of these drive charts where they even moving the ball. First drive, they have seven plays, 13 yards. They have to punt. Second 
second drive, five plays, eight yards, they have to punt. Um, 11 yard sack on first and 10 by Aaron Rodgers, then a seven yard pass, and then on third and 14, pass incomplete, they have to punt. Third drive, they score a field goal, six plays, 49 yards, a big old pass play here by Aaron Rodgers. Let's watch this one quickly. Let's see Aaron Rodgers here. Nice 31-yard pass since we've been kind of knocking him the entire segment here. So here we go. First and 10 over the middle of the field and that's Aaron Rodgers for you. <laughs> Fantastic ball. I mean, this is what we're talking about, folks. I mean, we know Aaron Rodgers is great, but we can't classify him as the greatest of all time because there's so much inconsistency throughout in him not getting it done in the big games. But we're not saying this man is a trash quarterback. I mean, look at this throw right here. Nice double covered. And, I mean, he puts it right on the money for Devontae Adams to go up and get or to go out and get, and he absolutely puts it right on the money. So that's a fantastic throw right there. But it came, you know, down 17 nothing with like eight seconds left in the first half. So they call a timeout. It sets them up for, you know, a field goal that they do cash in on. So great there, but you know the timing getting down, this is kind of where we see Aaron Rodgers and where we see a lot of his big great plays when he's down a little bit, all the Hail Marys that he's kind of known for and a lot of people you know, credit him positively for. It's like, well, they're good because you were down. And once again, this was a good pass because you know, really no time, you could do whatever you want here. You have to throw it downfield, you're down 17, you can do whatever you want. So it's not impressive in that regard, but the throw itself taking off all the context out it's a good throw but it doesn't carry over the momentum doesn't carry over because that was the last throw great throw and then he's throwing an interception a nice drive going on here to start the second half they get in the Saints nine yard line and he throws an interception and then the next drive they're not driving and Aaron Rodgers throws an interception at his eight yard line Luckily for the Packers, they only gave up seven points out of two back-to-back -back interceptions, but still at the end of the game, it was a blowout. So Aaron Rodgers definitely has to clean it up a little bit. We know he can. It's just does he, and does he hold a grudge against his team, and does this team kind of feel any resentment and animosity coming from Aaron Rodgers where we get him re-turtling, re-going inside of his shell here. So a lot to watch here for this Packers team as this week progresses going into next week. And if the Packers don't have success next week, sheesh, let's quickly see who they got next week. Is it a tough opponent? Because really for this Packers sake, they really need to be facing like the Lions or the Vikings or some other trash team. But here we go. The Packers this week has to go and face, oh, well, it's the Lions, so lucky that, but it is on Monday Night Football. So Aaron Rodgers prime time can kind of get the monkey off of his back here with his poor performance. So watch out for the Packers to kind of light it up come Monday, and we might be able to take that game. Um, we'll see what the spread is. We'll guess and react to the spread come Thursday. But uh, if we get some nice value there, uh, we may take Aaron Rodgers in his revenge game of the uh, his first revenge game of the season. So Aaron Rodgers, nothing great. Jordan Love gets into the game. Um, I think at the end, right? When does he start playing? Um, yeah, Jordan Love gets into like the fourth quarter. Uh, fourth quarter with how much time left? Ten minutes left. They were down 38-3. to Game over at that point. They give Jordan Love some time. He went 5 of 7 for 68 yards. That's fine, but it's in garbage time as well. So can't really truly see what Jordan Love did out there. 
Uh, running game was non-existent. A.J. Dillon, four carries for 19 yards. Aaron Jones, five carries for nine yards. So couldn't ever get out to that rushing start that they truly, you know, helped them be good last season. Aaron Jones was absolutely monstrous. He broke 1,000 yards last season. Definitely helped, you know, switch up the run in the passing game here for the Packers. So A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones didn't get it done. All right, top receivers here for the Packers. Devontae Adams, five receptions for 56 yards. Then we had Randall Cobb, one reception for 32 yards. Mercedes Lewis, one reception for 19 yards. So, once again, just never having, you know, a a target reliably getting open here over and over and over again. It's not like the Chiefs where Tyreek Hill has 15 targets. The most targets went to Marquez Veldez scaling with eight, and then the second highest was Devontae Adams with seven, so just not able to get that separation, and Aaron Rodgers not going to them. So, overall, this Packers team truly floundered offensively, defensively, because now let's start talking about the Saints now, because they gave up 38 gosh dang points. And once again, a great job by this Saints team. So much going on with no Drew Brees and no Michael Thomas and then having your home field advantage taken away this is a great sign by the leadership the maturity here on the Saints team coming from obviously the head coach Sean Payton and the new leader here Jameis mother loving Winston folks give that man some credit not a lot of credit but we can give him Good amount of credit, solid amounts of credit right here. The only reason why we're not giving him tons and great amounts of credit here is because his yards are very, very lackluster compared to everything that he did. I mean, Aaron Rodgers almost threw more yards than Jameis Winston did, and Aaron Rodgers only put up three points. So in that regard, can't kind of go above and beyond with Jameis Winston, but we will give him truly solid, respectable credit here. As he goes 14 of 20, not the greatest. What is that, like six? I think that's 60% on the dot. Uh, let's get our good old calculator up. Y'all know. Uh, so here we go. 14 of 20. Oh, it's is that 70%? Is that right? That doesn't look like 70%, but that's 70%, so I give him credit. Y'all know we love 70%. Absolutely so. Yeah, I'll give Jameis Winston credit for that. 148 yards is not bad, especially on 14 completions. You know, that's like the 10 mark that we're looking for. 10 yards per completion at minimum, which kind of, you know, we classify as a successful passing day. And Jameis Winston had that. He had five touchdowns, and that's what's getting everybody's attention. And hey, I can't, I can't knock that. No way I'm knocking that. But I'm just saying when you take that into account with the yards it could have been a little lackluster overall the defense putting them into great scenarios great position to score the ball the running game really got it done Alvin Kamara 20 carries for 83 yards and I love that by Sean Payton you know, easing Jameis Winston into this season. And I respect that because we've seen coaches not do that. We've seen coaches throw Trevor Lawrence out, out on the field and throw 50 times. We saw Josh Allen get thrown out there and throw 50 times. What are y'all doing? Like, I don't even care if you believe they're great quarterbacks or not. They shouldn't be throwing 50 times a game. I don't even know if I really want Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers throwing 50 times a game if it calls for where there's just like a gun, you know, a gunslinger battle going on between the two teams then maybe if it calls for that but really it's just an average game scenario I don't want my quarterbacks throwing all those times and Jameis Winston only threw the ball 20 times so that's fantastic ran the ball 20 times Jameis Winston threw the ball 20 times we can get behind that absolutely very well done to Sean Payton um in the offensive coordinator 
Now we got Tony Jones also rushing for 50 yards. 11 carries for 50 yards, and they truly got it done. Even Jameis Winston got into the mix there. Six carries for uh, 37 yards, and even Taysom Hill got into the mix. Threw the ball once for three yards, ran the ball twice for one yard. Unfortunately, didn't really make the most of it. And, uh, you know, this is what we've seen from Taysom Hill. Not really winning the starting job there in the training camp. Uh, practices in the preseason games and you know not really truly doing anything here against the Packers James Winston doing it all uh, so let's quickly see where all these touchdown passes were coming from now we're gonna watch James Winston tomorrow in our film study and watch these touchdowns but I just want to get a general sense because you know the five touchdowns I love, I don't love that it only came with 148 yards, but another thing I love that most of these touchdowns came in the red zone then, so the great accuracy that is needed in the red zone, James Winston showed it. So let's investigate that to make sure that's true, looking at all these touchdowns. So the first touchdown, James Winston uh, passes to Alvin Kamara for three yards for the touchdown. So once again, just getting in the red zone, throwing in the red zone, not turning the ball over, not giving up the ball, uh, not settling for field goals. James Jameis Winston gets kind of an A-plus for that performance in the red zone. you got to give the man credit for that. Um, I think I would, I think I honestly prefer Jameis Winston throwing for 148 yards and five touchdowns than like, you know, 350, 400 yards and five touchdowns because that just shows, you know, great precision in the red zone where if he did have kind of the 350, 400 yards for five touchdowns, you know, maybe some, you know, 80-yard bombs, which are good, but maybe it was just blown assignments multiple times by the defense. Maybe it was kind of a five-yard um, kind of um, screen, wide receiver screen that, you know, took the top off the defense and ran for 80 yards. But the fact that it's just Jameis Winston alone by himself here in the red zone throwing darts... I'm giving the man credit. Loved it. Um, so the first one, three-yard pass to Alvin Kamara for a touchdown. Second one was a, a one-yard pass to Johnson for the touchdown. Third touchdown was a 10-yard pass to Chris Hogan for a touchdown. Fourth touchdown, an 8-yard pass to Johnson for the touchdown. And then his final touchdown pass was uh, a big old bomb. And now we got the big old bomb. Let's watch the big old bomb quickly. So we had the best of both worlds being absolutely precise in the red zone in the big bomb play. Let's see. Is this going to load? This is not going to load. And that's going to freeze. So, okay. Now I got to voice my frustration here because NFL.com is just truly ruining um, this show. Honestly, you know, the downfall of takes by fans will be NFL.com and Game Pass and all that. Um, not loading these highlights and then also also making Game Pass so much worse where we can't just select the play that we want. There's no drop down play bar. We have to scroll through the time and we all know that's tedious as heck. We spent like 22 minutes yesterday breaking down the Jaguars game. That's why we couldn't finish all the games yesterday because we were trying to find Trevor Lawrence's interceptions throughout a three-and-a-half-hour tape. So get your stuff together, please, please, for the sake of the show, for the sake of just breaking down games. So NFL.com, folks, Game Pass, y'all are truly, truly not getting it done, truly, truly. All right, can we bring this up, please? We got to, let me see if I can go here. NFL.com, man. I don't know what the hell is going on with their website. 
We might have to move on. Um, can we see what everybody else did for the Saints team just quickly? Alvin Kamara, we talked about 20 carries for uh, 83 yards. Fantastic. We had uh, Deontay Harris, two receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. Juwan Johnson, three receptions for 20, 21 yards and two touchdowns. Adam Troutman, three receptions for 18 yards. And was that it? Is that it? What was um? Who was the big player that uh, James Winst Winston went to twice in the preseason games? Do we? Uh, did he get any play? Marquez Callaway, uh, two targets, one catch for only 14 yards. So you know, James Winston didn't use kind of his safety blanket and Marquez Callaway. No Michael Thomas. They were still able to get some solid production by James Winston and the wide receivers. Real nice game there by the Saints. Got to give them a lot of credit, and they will be rewarded in our kind of top 10 power rankings later in the show. So, Packers Saints, Packers Aaron Rodgers, big old elephant in the room. We'll see if he kicks that elephant out come Monday. And the uh, Saints. Well done for Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, kind of 2.0, second leg of his career here with the Saints. Could be very, very good for this man. Very well done by Jameis. Alrighty, next game up is the Broncos and the Giants, if it will load. I don't know why all these pages are not uh, loading up for us. Not the greatest. Um, it's just NFL.com. Everything else is good. We've got everything good. Else, um, everything else is up. So NFL.com, man, come on. What are we doing, folks? What are we doing out here? Let me see if I can bring it up like this. May have to go to our phone. Unfortunate. Uh, the backup. But uh, let's get uh, this next game going. Let's start talking about this game. We can't afford another day of not talking about and breaking down these games. We do not have another kind of day uh, during the week to really get everything squared away. All right. <clears throat> let's see. NFL.com. We got it up on our phone. So let's quickly head over to... Broncos Giants where the Giants folks the slow start they were they told us all week about the slow start y'all just had to listen we listened we stayed heavily away from this one and that's exactly what we saw the Giants get out to an absolutely slow slow start to start the season and now I don't even know what we do for week number two for this Giants team I don't can we buy this Giants team after what they showed us in week one I don't think so folks really at all so Denver wins 27-30 uh, you know, the Broncos got out to a little bit of a slow start as well. You know, 0-0 game in the first quarter, but then the scoring just came. 10 points in the second quarter, 7 points in the third quarter, and then 10 points again in the fourth quarter for a grand total of 27 points and winning by 14 points, 27-13. A nice, that's kind of a blowout there by the Broncos, so very well done. So let's start talking about the Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater, baby. Yes, sir. 28 of 36. So let's get that completion percentage. 28 of 36, what do we got? Uh, 77%, exactly what we want to see there. Very, very well done. Now, the only thing that we don't like about its performance, 264 yards, slightly under the 10 yards per completion on 28, per, uh, 28 completions. So once again, a little bit of the dink and dunk there by Teddy Bridgewater, and you can't be the dink and dunker here. And we'll explore that a little bit more tomorrow in our Wednesday Film Study Show. Um, because we can't have Teddy Bridgewater being the dink and dunker that he is kind of a little bit known for, and it's not a knock, it's just a little obser observation. But, uh, you know, these weapons here, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, they're way too good to not let them go and get it done down the field. So, Teddy Bridgewater, 264 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. We absolutely love that. 
Melvin Gordon had a great game, 11 carries for 101 yards, one touchdown, and even rookie Javante Williams, 14 carries for 45 yards. So maybe we were wrong. Maybe this Broncos team truly knows what they're doing here. Personnel-wise, we were a little upset in the offseason when they cut Phillip Lindsay. But, I mean, they're running back by committee here with Melvin Gordon as the main and, uh, you know, Javante Williams being a nice dual threat here. They truly got it done. So great job in the running game. Great job by Teddy Bridgewater. Wide receivers, Jerry Judy goes six carries or six receptions for 72 yards. Now we have to get the update on Jerry Judy because he did leave the game with the lower leg injury, I want to say. I believe I have the story up here. I can quickly get to it. Um, because he may be missing a couple of weeks here, folks. Unfortunate. So here we go. Jerry Judy carted off the field being evaluated for a lower leg injury. Let's see if they got a nice little update here. So here we go. Wide receiver Jerry Judy was carted off the field with a high ankle sprain. NFL Network's Tom Palacero reported. X-rays were negative. Great. The injury came in the third quarter as Judy was being tackled from behind. And the weight of the Giants defender crashed down on his lower leg. So unfortunate there. Uh, by Jerry Judy, obviously definitely need him out there. Um, you know, the great thing about this Broncos team or a good thing about this Broncos team is kind of, you know, the receivers and the weapons that they have all over the field. Jerry Judy, you know, we know what he can do. We are, we're big fans of the man. Fast will catch anything you throw to him. So he led the uh, team in receiving uh, yards, six receptions for 72 yards. Then we had Noah Fant, six receptions for 62 yards, and that's fantastic. The tight ends getting it done. Got to love it. KJ Hamler, three receptions for 41 yards. Tim Patrick, four receptions for 39 yards and a touchdown. So once again, Teddy Bridgewater going to, you know, spreading the wealth here. The top four leading receivers all had basically 40 or more yards. We haven't really been seeing that as much, um, you know, disbursement as we've been breaking down all these games. So, you know, Teddy Bridgewater giving three Panthers wide receivers 1,000 yards last season, and he's already starting to do that here for the Broncos. So that's the great thing that Teddy Bridgewater doesn't get a lot of credit for. He doesn't just need that one A1 tier one wide receiver, and he stares them down, and he goes over, you know, goes to them over and over and over and over again. The man spreads the wealth all over the field decently evenly, too. We gotta love it and gotta respect it. So, Teddy Bridgewater, an overall good performance week one with the new team on the road. Got to give the man credit. So very well done there. Um, all right. Now let's talk about the Giants because Daniel Jones didn't have, you know, the best game. He went 22 of 37. What is that completion percentage? 59%. Not exactly what we want to see at all. Lousy, lousy, lousy under 60%. We will never get behind that ever, ever, ever. All right, now the NFL.com is coming right back up here. Thank goodness. All right. So here we go. Daniel Jones, 22 of 37. Like we said, 267 yards. I can get behind. One touchdown, no pick. And I believe he fumbled. He did fumble. He fumbled and he lost it. Let's see where that turnover came in the game. So we got uh, they're down 17 to 7. The Broncos just went down and scored the ball, taking eight minutes off the clock to start the second half. And Daniel Jones fumbles the ball on a nice drive. Come on. They're at the Denver's 22-yard line. First and 10. You're down 10 points with really no time left in the third quarter because the Broncos chewed it all up. 
and Daniel Jones flounders and he fumbles the ball. Damn it. And then the Broncos go down and take three points because of the turnover. Once again, well done by Teddy Bridgewater for taking that turnover and forcing and turning that into three points. Very, very well done. We talk about capitalizing on turnovers so much on the show and we give praise to the players and the teams that are doing it consistently. Well done for the Broncos here. Teddy Bridgewater leading them on a 10-play, 54-yard drive five minutes after the fumble. Well done. And then the Giants flounder again. Daniel Jones, a little flounder here. Another good drive that gets to the six-yard line of Denver. And Daniel Jones passing complete uh, to Kenny Galladay. No touchdown. They turn the ball over on downs. It would have made it a 20-14 to game. One possession, you lock up on defense, come back out, and have Daniel Jones be the hero. But they don't even get that because of the turnover on downs. And then Teddy Bridgewater says, hey, I'm going to ice the game. And... Uh, or actually, Melvin Gordon says, I'm going to ice the game because he had a 70-yard run. So now, you know, putting his 100 yards into context, we'll shout him out here on the 70-yard run to ice the game. Let's see this run. From his own 30-yard line right up the middle, bouncing it out to the left side. And then, man, oh, man, Melvin Gordon's fast? Is Melvin Gordon this quick? Or did this man just get quicker the last maybe season or two? I don't remember Melvin Gordon of the Chargers, the OG Melvin, being this quick. Well done. 30 yards, barely even touched, and he ran right up the middle. Almost got hawked down by the safety with the final five yards, but very, very well done to Melvin Gordon. Um, although third, he really only rushed for 30 yards this game. But hey, I'll take a nice little kind of cherry on the top exclamation point to end the game. So overall, the Broncos got better as the game progressed. Um, and, uh, you know, put it all together offensively, defensively, only gave up 13 points. And for that, we can give big credit to this Broncos team. So Broncos are being exactly who we kind of thought they would be. Game, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is just kind of being a little bit of a game manager out here. And that's kind of all this Broncos team needs, a little bit of a plug-and-play quarterback. And Teddy Bridgewater, we felt, was the best option. We rooted for him to win the quarterback battle. We didn't even want him to leave Carolina. And now he's translating wins here for this Broncos team kind of sticking it to Matt Rule a little bit. Uh, Matt Rule did win week one, but it was close and almost floundered it at the end. But Teddy Bridgewater, a dominant performance week one. Well done to the Broncos. All right, um, back to this Giants team. Let's kind of wrap it up here. Saquon Barkley, lackluster game by him. He just couldn't get it going. 10 carries for only 26 yards. That's real, real bad, folks. Not even three yards a carry. Daniel Jones had more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley did. He also had a rushing touchdown. Um, which we know Daniel Jones is a nice dual-threat quarterback. We wish he would kind of use his legs a little bit more. We kind of saw the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys, or for the, yeah, well, Jason Garrett. Um, we saw Jason Garrett kind of utilize Daniel Jones last season's legs decently, and we really wished it would continue here, but overall the rushing game just never really picked up. So got to see something better from Saquon Barkley. Our three big running backs that we've been looking for, you know, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, and Derrick Henry, all, you know, lackluster week one. So we definitely want to see them kind of kick it into high gear come week two. All right, receivers here for the Giants. We get Sterling Shepard, seven receptions for 113 yards, one touchdown. Darius Slayton, three receptions for 65 yards. Kenny Galladay, four receptions for 64 yards. So this is another decent silver lining for this Giants team. They only put up 13 points, and they lost this game pretty 
pretty bad in the grand scheme of it, but the passing game can truly be great, and this is a nice building block here for the weeks to come with the top three receivers here, all being wide receivers, first of all, and all having 64 or more receiving yards. We can get behind that. So Daniel Jones, keep playing with these wide receivers, keep getting them open, keep throwing them open, rein in the accuracy a little bit more, and start putting up some more points. But we're not going to jump ship totally on this Giants team. They told us that they were going to get out to a slow start. We saw the slow start. We'll give them maybe weeks two and week three, but by week four, we need to see them start kicking it in a high gear before we truly move off of them. But uh, well done for the Broncos. Great, impressive first win on the road, and we look forward to Teddy Bridgewater next week. Alrighty, next game up here is the Miami Dolphins, folks. Oh, tell me all these... All these didn't close. Okay, thank goodness. Because we have some plays queued up for the rest of the show. And we cannot afford to go back in and re-find all those plays quickly. Okay. Jeez, jeez, jeez. Okay. But we digress. Let's go back to... Uh, here we go. The Dolphins and the Patriots. And we did have a play queued up too. And it freaking reloaded. Oh my goodness. Game pass, please, for the sake of everything, please get better. Please return the pick a play. Please, please. I'm begging y'all. Um, all right. But here we go. Dolphins, Patriots, and uh, the Dolphins come away with the one-point win. Absolutely hard-fought bloodbath division game that you would expect here. Dolphins on the road. Decently getting it done. So let's start talking about this Dolphins team first. All right, Tua goes 16 of 27. All righty, that seems a little bit low. Let's get the official number up. 16 of 27, we've got 59% uh, completion percentage. So definitely needs to be better than that, especially since, you know, we're betting big on Tua this season. Uh, we are big believers in Tua. That's never wavered uh, going back to last season. We've always been big on Tua. So definitely got to get the completion percentage up a little bit. He threw for 202 yards on 16 completions. We can definitely get behind that. One touchdown, one interception, not the greatest. Uh, he didn't fumble, so that's great. But let's see where this interception came by Tua in a real bad interception. Let's see if uh, they've got the highlight here, but it comes when they were up 17 to 16, so they had the lead, uh, possession in the fourth quarter, and they intercept the ball. He throws an interception. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to bring this up quickly, but the interception... Um, uh, Tua just kind of escaping out of the pocket. Matthew Judon absolutely destroying him. I mean, what a great textbook tackle by Matt Judon on, you know, a quarterback for not drawing a penalty and not an egregious hit or anything. So for that, we praise Matthew Judon for the big hit. And I'm talking about a big hit. Tua truly got blasted. I truly want to bring it up quickly just because of, uh, you know, how much of a competitor. And we know that Tua's a little, not injury ridden, but we do know that was a big thing a big narrative coming into the season you know his injury or last season you know the injured hip and how he would play and Matthew Judon truly just lays Tua out big time uh big 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 time so I want to see if I can quickly bring up this Tua interception let the ball fly really kind of ill-advised decision uh throwing the ball over the middle of the field very very late all right, we're getting close here. We're getting close here. Here we go. We've got it up, folks. Should be right around here. 
Almost. That's what I'm saying, folks. If we can just drag and drop the plays, I'm trying to get that, y'all. I'm trying to get there. Uh, unfortunately, they just don't have it up. I don't know. But here we go. Here's the two interception. Let's look at this quickly, quickly. Here we go. So he escapes the pressure here. A good move to kind of double back on a third and seven. But look at this Matthew Judon hit. Oh, my God. And then that's the ill-advised. I mean, just trying to throw it away and it never really kind of got out of bounds. Watch Matthew Judon here, number nine, just absolutely lay out to a, ooh, man, that's bone crushing. And then he just kind of throws it up 50-50 on the right sideline. Can't do that. Definitely just have to throw it away. Live for another down. Live for another possession because you just gave the Patriots the ball at kind of midfield-ish um, with – down one with six with eight minutes left in the game, so you can't definitely can't do that. Uh, let's see where they actually started. Uh, yeah, they started right at the 50 yard line, so really ill advised decision. And he took the big hit, unfortunate. All right, <clears throat> rushing game was actually not the worst. Miles Gaskin, nine carries for 49 yards, Malcolm Brown, five carries for 16 yards. They also, the Dolphins also utilized Jacoby Brissett multiple times for a QB sneak scenario just because two was not beefy at all. The man is very small, um, basically like Kyler Murray, uh, just not as quick. Uh, but Jacoby Brissett, big beefcake out there, and he truly got it done. I think he picked up both. I think uh, both of them, honestly. I mean, I think he. He had two fourth kind of in ones right on fourth and ones. Let me see if I can bring these up quickly. Did he do them on uh, these uh, field goal drives? Let me bring up some fourth and tens or fourth and ones. What do you got in the second quarter, third quarter, or the fourth downs at? They used them twice. I know they did, folks. But either way. Regardless of when it was, he picked up two first downs by himself. Give the man some credit. Maybe it was third and goals that they were, or third and ones that they were doing the QB sneaks. But Jacoby Brissett, very well done. Utilizing him as well. I've got no problem with that. Uh, just because he is bigger than Tua. So definitely, you know, utilize him in that regard. When he has to, you know, get, you know, go right up the middle. Follow the blockers. Got to be big. So running game definitely could be a little bit better. Uh, but uh, overall, not the worst. And then the re receivers here for the Dolphins, Devontae Parker, when he's healthy, baby, the man can get it going. And we've got some good uh, plays for tomorrow in our Wednesday film study looking at, you know, to, uh, to Devontae Parker, the man was looking real solid. So Devontae Parker, four receptions for 81 yards, our nice deep threat receiver. He was truly getting it done. And if he can stay healthy, watch out. Jalen Waddles first game four receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown great athleticism by him to stay on his feet and cross the goal line it was great then Miles Gaskin out of the backfield five receptions for 27 yards and Mike Kosicki they didn't really utilize him too much only two targets no receptions for zero yards the tight end for the Dolphins that it you know should be you know real solid out here but uh, they didn't utilize him and only two targets so you know offensive play calling definitely needs to be a little bit better as well get that man involved we know what tight ends can do in this league and Mike Kosicki is now scrub at the tight end position. So overall, the Dolphins get it done. Um, Xavier Howard, who just restructured his contract, got all the praise because he single-handedly won the Dolphins the game. So the Patriots down one with three minutes and 35 seconds left at the Dolphins' 11-yard line. This is the drive that's coming off of the Tua interception. Xavier Howard forces the fumble and gets the ball and, uh, you know, recovers it. And they win the game uh, because they're able to kind of eat the rest of the clock because 
they had possession. They had uh, Patriots didn't have all the timeouts, and uh, they were able to run off three minutes and 35 seconds off the clock. So well done by Tua. Uh, we had a couple of passes here. Uh, three minutes left, three minutes, 30 seconds left, and he has to kind of ice the game by getting kind of a couple of first downs here. Uh, we had a 13-yard pass to set up a second and two. Uh, that resulted in runs to pick up the first down, and that was it. So Tua makes a big clutch throw um, on second and on first and fourteen to make it second and one with a great throw there, and then they're able just to run out the ball and pick up the first down. So well done by Xavier Howard. Truly deserves all this money and all the renegotiated contracts. The man is a true ball hawk, and it comes up in the biggest situation. So Xavier Howard truly earning that big old contract uh, that he just negotiated again. All right, now let's talk about the Patriots. Mac Jones goes 29 of 39. What is that? We got 74%. We'll take that all day. Mac Jones looking pretty good. He threw for 281 yards, slightly below that 10-yard average per completion, so a little bit of a dink and dunk game, a little bit. One touchdown, no interception. Um, and he did fumble, but they got it back. So that's good. Definitely don't want you know Mac Jones to you know fall in love with the turnovers. So, you know, he's doing good so far. Damian Harris, the running back here for the Patriots, was doing good. 23 carries for 100 yards, but he ended up causing the game-losing fumble. The Patriots had two fumbles out here this game. The first one was by Ramondre Stevenson, our man that we were big believers in, folks. Ramondre Stevenson, he only got one carry. Or hand, how many carry? Yeah, one carry. He carried the ball once, and then he fumbled, and then they never gave the ball back to him for really the entire game. So Ramondre Stevenson floundering big time, uh, fumbling in the first quarter. Truly unfortunate. So it's going to be hard to get, for Ramondre Stevenson to get back into the good graces of old Billy B out there. We hope he does because we want to see what he can do, but truly unfortunate. Luckily for the Patriots, Ramondre Stevenson's fumble doesn't result in anything. The Dolphins go three and out. Tua, you've got to got to convert on those turnovers, please. Uh, that goes for every team, every every player out there. Convert on the turnovers. If they are giving you free points, go and take those free points and truly make them pay for turning over the ball, which is literally the deadly sin in the NFL. And you know, if you don't make them pay for their sins. You're not going to win the game. Luckily, the Dolphins had one more opportunity to force a turnover, and they took it at the very basically last play of the game that we just talked about. Uh, Damian Harris, though, he was the better running back out here. Like we said, 23 carries for 100 yards. He also fumbled as well. Xavier Howard coming out and punching up punching out the ball. So the running backs for the Patriots need to hold on to the ball because they've got some good talent. All right, wide receivers. Let's see who now uh, Mac Jones was going to. Well, the number one wide receiver was Nelson Aguilar. Five receptions for 72 yards, seven targets. So Mac Jones not just going to his tight ends or safety blankets out of the backfield, going to his weapons. We give Mac Jones respect for that. Number two wide receiver was James White, a running back. Okay, six receptions for 49 yards. Third one was Jacoby Myers, another wide receiver out here. Six receptions for 44 yards, and he had nine targets, targeted the most, so wide receiver in that position we like it then comes John New Smith five receptions for 42 yards so and Hunter Henry three receptions for 31 yards their other tight end so all over the mix here good solid distribution uh for the top five playmakers running backs wide receivers tight ends getting everybody involved into the game not shying away from throwing to the weapons and but also not 
shying away from the dink and dunk and the wide open checkdowns. And once again, it's a fine line that you have to balance. And, you know, Mac Jones decently balanced it. You know, I was kind of impressed. Um, now, go back to kind of the Cam Newton talking point. Could have could Cam Newton won this game or put up a better performance? I don't think so. Like we said, I, I can see Cam Newton doing this performance. I, I can see him doing this performance. I don't see him doing any better or really any worse or like truly worse. So... I still think Mac Jones is the right decision. He's looking like pro-ready, folks. I mean, Mac Jones, rookie year, already looking as good as Cam Newton. Like we've been saying, there's no reason not to go with Mac Jones. And he made this game competitive. He really was the reason why y'all didn't lose this game. He was not the reason. It was the turnovers, the fumbles by the running backs. Mac Jones truly took good care of the football, was accurate, great distributor of the football. Um, to the weapons, like we've been saying. So, Mac Jones had a real solid performance, and we are going to look at his throws a little bit more in depth come tomorrow on our Wednesday film study show. So, well done to Mac Jones, truly got it done. And uh, a nice hard fought game that the Dolphins ended up winning at the end by one. So, Dolphins get the win 17 to 16, and uh, it's the first in the AFC West, or in the AFC East, because they are the only team that won. Bills lost, Jets lost, Patriots lost, Dolphins want to know, baby. Go get it. Alrighty, that uh, we got one more game to talk about, and then we'll head into all of our good lists that we have for the remainder of the show. So here we go. Let's talk about the game from last night. Raiders, Ravens, an absolute great game. Back and forth, competitive, decently high scoring, drama, 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 overtime, drama, drama, drama as well. So... Let's talk about it. All righty, let's start here with the Ravens because they were the kind of the big proponent of why they lost the game, unfortunate. So, Lamar Jackson goes 19 of 30. Let's see what that completion percentage is. 19 of 30. We got 63%, so a little on the lighter side, still not terrible overall. But 19 of 30 for 235 yards, one passing touchdown. He ran the ball 12 times for 86 yards as well, led his team in rushing. And a reason why we just couldn't take this Ravens team was because of their running backs. You know, everybody getting injured and, you know, last second, you know, who's in and who's out and all that. And the and the signings of Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell, he didn't play. Uh, but the running backs kind of got it done. Tyson Williams, nine carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, yeah, one, one rush went for 35 yards. So, you know, kind of half of his yards came off of one rush, which isn't bad. Uh, he scored a touchdown on it. So you give him credit. Latavius Murray had a decent first showing as well. 10 carries for 28 yards. And he also scored a touchdown. So overall, this Ravens rushing attack should really be in the full swing of it. Come next week when Le'Veon Bell can get into some practices here and Latavius Murray gets a little bit better and Tayson Hill gets a little bit, or Tyson. Hill gets a little bit better out there so don't you know well we can still believe in the Ravens rushing game come next week as well uh good first showing here uh given all that's happened and transpired over the last week so well done for the Ravens rushing game we'll give that a little bit of credit all right, Sammy Watkins, four receptions for 96 yards. And Sammy Watkins had a big, big, big play in this game down the field. And Lamar Jackson going to him. And that's going to be a play that we look at come tomorrow on our film study show. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins did deep threat here to Lamar Jackson. Decently hooked up last night. So we like that. 
Marquise Brown, second leading wide receiver here for the Ravens. Six receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown um, in the end zone. You know, Lamar Jackson buying all the time and then flicking it to Marquise Brown, who ended up getting wide open. Well done in the red zone. And then we had Tyson Williams, three receptions for 29 yards. Mark Andrews, their tight end, three receptions for 20 yards as well. So some nice uh, spreading of the ball here by Lamar Jackson. The only thing that, you know, I, I'll say negative about Lamar Jackson is, has he always been this much of a kind of home run looking runner I mean when I was watching him in this game it just seemed like Lamar Jackson when he like decided that he was going to run the ball was always bobbing and weaving and looking for that home run like wanting to take every single rush for a touchdown so dancing a little bit too much and not just kind of getting north south like we know he can do so well he's kind of the um the fastest dual threat quarterback and probably either the number one or number two in acceleration and you know we've seen Lamar Jackson just literally run right up the middle and defenders from the left side and right side can't even converge on him because he's so fast they can't even catch up and kind of close out even though they have the angle they can't even catch him so just like Lamar it just seemed like Lamar Jackson was looking to use his legs to take off take the top off the defense every single play unlike you know Patrick Mahomes that we've talked about a little bit earlier today that just is looking for like the 5 yards to first down every time he runs not looking to take the top off the defense every time he scrambles but you know we'll we'll track that um, you know, to see if he continues to do that. And maybe we'll kind of look at last season him rushing in some of our Wednesday film study days as well, just to get a nice gauge on it. Because it seemed like he was trying to do a little bit too much. And, you know, it did kind of result into them losing the game because Lamar Jackson ended up fumbling three times. Once again, Lamar Jackson, I know you have to kind of pick up the slack because of all the running backs and all that. I truly get that. And your wide receivers aren't the best. I mean, you know, we can, you know, say that these Ravens receivers are good. And they are good, but we're not talking about a Cowboys receiving core. We're not talking about a Bucks receiving core. We're not even talking about a Chiefs wide receiver core. And there isn't that deep. They just got two great pass catchers in Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey. The Ravens just don't have that. They've got solid weapons. Marquise Brown is solid. Um, Sammy Watkins is solid. But there's definitely, you know, I can name, you know, five or ten better wide receivers than these Ravens ones from kind of the standpoint that Marquise uh, Brown is kind of a, you know, a shifty wide receiver, a slow, uh, smaller, shiftier, faster kind of, you know, slot weapon-esque wide receiver, uh, where Sammy Watkins is a little bit of a taller, deep threat wide receiver. I can kind of name like five to ten better wide receivers in each of those kind of categories than the Ravens have. So, Lamar Jackson is trying to make do everything, especially with the running game all being out, but just seemed like he tried to do a little bit too much, and it truly hurt him because, you know, he fumbled in overtime and the fourth quarter he fumbles in the fourth quarter the Raiders go down and tie up the game 17-17 Lamar Jackson we know he's great and that's why you know he makes up with that fumble with the touchdown on his next drive going up 24-24 then they score another field goal getting them into field goal position making it 27-24 I mean Lamar Jackson still made this Raiders team in offense work for this win and work for the tie for overtime and all that so you know we know it's just unfortunate with all the fumbles here by Lamar Jackson kind of weighing him down a little bit but you know he looked good in the game his passes looked decent definitely have to rein in the accuracy the deeper ball accuracy a little bit more especially when he's throwing the ball throwing on the run and all that 
Uh, but overall, you know, he put his team in positions to re really kind of win the game over and over and over again. Defense couldn't really step it up. And then, like we said, his fumbles as well. Because in overtime, Derek Carr throws an interception in the end zone. In the end zone that kind of got tipped and bobbled around and batted all the way like 10 yards to the right uh, but you know a bad accuracy pass by Derek Carr sets that up and then Lamar Jackson fumbles the ball and then Derek Carr gets another opportunity and he doesn't uh, and he definitely utilizes it and throws a big monster 32 yard strike wide open for the touchdown to win the game walk off fashion so Lamar Jackson with his two fumbles not the greatest out there all right, now let's talk about this Raiders team. Derek Carr playing hero out there. Derek Carr slinging this ball around 56 times. Another team that is just absolutely slinging around the ball that doesn't really need to. You've got Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Now, Josh Jacobs was a little banged up. Um, you know, he was a little questionable to go in this game. He goes out for the game first rush. He kind of has to come back out and switch up uh, cleats and all that. Uh, but, you know, you got Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. You don't need Derek Carr throwing the ball 56 gosh dang times. What is going on here? But he goes 34 of 56 for 60% completion percentage, but it's a lot of throws. So, you know, we can't really expect 70% on 56 throws. That, that'd be great. Um, I would love that. But 60% uh, on 56 throws. Jesus Louise, he had 435 yards, so I'll definitely give it to him. Two touchdowns, one interception. The interception comes in overtime. Not uh, kind of his fault just because of the accuracy uh, but it did get batted around but you know if it was 100% accurate it probably doesn't get batted uh, so the interception a little bit on his fault um, but luckily you know Lamar Jackson turns it over himself so Derek Carr kind of escapes a little bit all right, the rushing attack, nothing great all game because they didn't, never really stuck to it. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 10 carries for 34 yards. He had two touchdowns. We'll give the man credit. Marcus Mariota got into the game for one play real early on. And, you know, I was excited that we were going to see Marcus Mariota for kind of, you know, a dual, not kind of a true dual quarterback system that kind of Kyle Shanahan is experimenting with, but a little bit of a, hey, you know, we'll throw Marcus Mariota in here because of his dual threat ability, and that's exactly what he did. One carry for 31 yards, a little bit. I think it was a read option in the backfield, took it off right up the middle, looking fast as hack, and goes for 31 yards. Unfortunately, got got a little shaken up. Now, that could be why he wasn't out there more, so hopefully, you know, he's good to go by week two so we can see Marcus Mariota more because it was fantastic. You know, we wanted to see more of him this season because of his one game last season playing. We loved it and wanted to see him, you know, try to be a starter somewhere. But he signs a deal with the Raiders just to stay the backup. And uh, they're utilizing him a little bit more out here. So we absolutely love that. Hopefully he'll be good next week so we can see a little bit more of him. And then we had Kenyon Drake, six carries for only 11 yards. Absolutely real bad right there, uh, but just never stuck with the rushing game um, like we've been saying. And then, you know, you know, uh, what do we got, like 16 carries by running backs? It's like, geez, 56 passes. Oof. All right, now let's see who was Derek Carr passing to. Well, y'all know it's Darren Mother-Loving Waller. Ten receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. And he was targeted by far the most 19 times. Derek Carr was going to him over and over and over again, which I've got no problem with, folks. Y'all know we love the tight ends. Y'all know we love Darren Waller. Y'all know that we have been hyping up Darren Waller this entire offseason uh, with our kind of prediction of him being the number one tight end in this league by the time. 
time the season is done. And, you know, just trying to force him the ball down the field. Now, the Ravens in the beginning, you know, were kind of locking up Darren Waller, giving no separation for Derek Carr to fit that ball in there. But, you know, you can only try to guard him good so many times. He will eventually get open. And that's why you do throw to him 19 times because he will eventually get open. So, Darren Waller truly leading uh, this receiving core um, by a mile here. 105 receiving yards and a touchdown. Give him credit. Brian Edwards, four receptions for 81 yards. Hunter Renfro, six receptions for 70 yards. Kenyon Drake out of the backfield, five receptions for 59 yards. Zay Jones, two receptions for 46 yards. Henry Ruggs, two receptions for 46 yards. And then Alec Ingold, four receptions for 22 yards. So once again, Derek Carr distributing the ball to all of his weapons. A little bit more focused on Darren Waller, but still giving great production to everybody else on this team. Other wide receivers other running backs, uh, you know, tight ends. So Derek Carr spreading around the wealth here with the football. Let's shore up the accuracy a little bit. Let's kind of get the running game a little bit more improved. And uh, this Raiders team can be solid, um, you know, but a close win here. Week one, uh, a good win here against a quality opponent for the Raiders. But, uh, you know, the real test of the Raiders is really going to be the back end of the season. That's the, the reason why the Raiders have really stalled in the playoff category the last two years, last three years, uh, you know, not getting it out of getting it done at the back end of the season. So there's still pressure on this Raiders team, obviously, to keep getting better and keep going with it uh, as the season progresses. But overall, not a bad start here. Week one, getting a nice home win. All right, uh, we got any plays up here? What do I got? Um, we got the L L Lamar Jackson fumbles. I think I've got it queued up. Uh, what's his first play right here? I think this is a Lamar Jackson fumble, we'll, but we'll see. 17-10, Ravens. Second and six, Lamar Jackson. Trying to go up the middle of the field, and he does fumble. So, once again, trying to do a little bit too much right here. Got to hold on better to the football. This was an easy kind of force fumble. Lamar Jackson, a little careless with the ball. Uh, you know, kind of falling forward a little bit as he's trying to go to the first down marker. And the ball gets punched right out. I'm sure we're going to get a nice second look right here on the replay. Oh, we'll get a great angle right here. Just comes out. He's trying to switch hands with it in kind of his diving uh, fashion here. And it's just an easy way to punch out the ball. And that's exactly what happened. So Lamar Jackson just got to be a little bit uh, cleaner with the football here. You know, with the dual threat ability, you get the turnovers two ways, the interceptions and the fumbles, and each are bad. Maybe even the fumbles are a little bit worse because, you know, just the media and what people will be saying online, on Twitter and all that is like, well, you know, first of all, he's a running back anyway, all that nonsense and all that disrespectful nonsense. And then they'll just be saying, you know, you know, this is why are you running in the first place? You don't need to run. Why are you running so much? Stop running so much. So the fumbles turnovers may be a lot worse in general than just the interceptions but that's his first uh, interception or first fumble then we're going to get the Derek Carr interception here in overtime throwing an interception over the uh, over the middle of the field in the end zone just a little bit too high and hot this is a nice slant route here uh, I believe by Hunter Renfro we'll get another uh, second look at this 
Unfortunately, Derek Carr just tries to fire it in there quickly, and it gets picked off uh, because it gets batted away. And that's a great play by this Ravens team, never giving up uh, because it seemed like the game was over anyway uh, with a big uh, shot down the right sideline, but the receiver was like a half a yard short, and then they fall start and have to move back five yards. So just great never giving up attitude by this Ravens defense. They still lose the game, but they prolonged it and had a good chance to win the game. But here we go. A little bit, a little bit high and behind, just a smidge. Uh, could have been played out a little bit better. Um, um, it's not even that bad. Like it's not 100% perfect, but it's still a real good throw that needs to be caught. We see it go right through the receiver's hands, and uh, that's why it gets batted up. So Derek Carr just got to shore up the accuracy just a tad, like a, a minuscule tad right there. And then I think we've got one more Lamar Jackson fumble. This is the one that happened in overtime. So let's see how this one happened. Third and seven from their own 33-yard line, trying to step up in the pocket, and uh, he just gets brought down in the backfield behind the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, hit from behind, and he fumbles the ball. So just got to take a little bit better care of the ball. That's it. So Ravens. End up losing 33-27. Lamar Jackson had multiple times to be the hero and unfortunately led, led the go left the GOAT. Alrighty, now we are officially, officially up to date with everything that has happened in week one. So let's give ourselves a round of applause, folks. Uh, great job for all the winners out there. Some great wins, some unfortunate losses, uh, but there's always next week, folks. So before we officially, we're not going to close out week one just quite yet. We'll close out week one uh, tomorrow when we wrap up our film study. But we've got some good things to do for the rest of the show here that we may have to kind of go a little quickly on. So we've got our power rankings, our top 10 teams in the league after week one. We've got our fame and shame list. Uh, what was our picks and who were the people that helped us hit our picks? And who are the players that helped lose our picks? We're going to celebrate all them. And then we're going to be ranking some tight ends. A uh, big narrative that we are focusing on this season. So let's start here with the fame and shame list. Fame and shame. Last year was the cash and trash list. Um, just kind of going over great performances in the NFL, bad performances, highlighting them. But this season, since, you know, betting is all the craze and all that, and we give our picks and we do our due diligence of picking and which picks do we like and where is the value in the spread and all that. So we're going to be honoring, faming, and little shaming some players that help us hit our bets, hit our picks that we tell y'all um, because we do our due diligence and we expect these players to do the same. If we're going to put in the work, breaking down, analyzing the value and what teams are good and what teams are not, you, the player, should be putting in your work of getting better and doing it in practice and then showing it on the field to win the game. So, we'll... Uh, we'll um, We'll talk up some players, celebrate some players that helped us hit our bets. They will go on the fame list for the entire year. Um, last season, when we were doing the cash and trash list, you know, you only stayed down there one week, and then we re-evaluated re you every single week. But if you make it on the fame or shame list, you're on there for the entire year. So you definitely don't want to be on the shame list because you will be up there every single week, and you don't want you don't want your name on that. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but let's just get it going here, and we'll start here on the fame side of the list, the good side of the list. So the first player here, well, let's tell y'all our picks from week one. 
Uh, first of all, let's recap those. So, we did pretty good in week one. Um, only missed one officially. Uh, we did six picks, missed one, hit four, pushed on another. So, four, one, and one through week one. I'll take that. That's a pretty good hit. So, our three locks that we had this week were Dolphins plus three and a half, 49ers minus eight, and Vikings minus three. And then our 99% guarantee section was Steelers plus six and a half, Panthers minus four, and Raiders plus three and a half. So obviously we hit on the Dolphins plus three and a half, Steelers plus six and a half, Panthers minus four, Raiders plus three and a half. We pushed down 49ers minus eight, gosh darn them. And then we obviously missed on Vikings minus three. But here we go. Our first person that we are putting on the fame list for week one is... Hang on. I got two pages to turn here. Here we go. Okay. Number one on the fame list, baby. Give it up for our man, Xavier Howard. Ooh. Oh, we had the Dolphins plus three and a half. Dolphins were down two. Um, Patriots were on the 11-yard line looking to score a touchdown to go from Dolphins winning by one point. Dolphins winning by one to Dolphins being down by six. And then at that point, Dolphins plus three and a half would not hit. But it's mother-loving Xavier Howard out here. Y'all want to know what this man did? Do y'all really want to know what this man did? Well, at the 11-yard line, this man forces a fumble on Damian Harris, folks. Forces the game-sealing fumble. Let me see if I can bring this up quickly. We had it up, and then it all refreshed on us, and it loses our spot. So let's see if we can quickly uh, pull this play up. Want to celebrate this man. Oh, and the best thing, it happened. Um, oh, no, it happened in the fourth quarter. I was like, we didn't go into overtime. Um, but here we go. Should be up right around here. Got to go back a little bit more to 46, I want to say. Here we go. Xavier Howard. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Xavier Howard punching the ball out. Damian Harris thought he was doing good. Had 100 yards this game rushing. But Xavier Howard makes it all cr uh, crumble down. Here we go. One second. When did this fumble come? 335. We got to back it up a little bit more. 335. Here we go. Here it is. Here we go. Here we go. Coming up right here. All right. Here it is. Let's watch this. Xavier Howard punches that ball out. Gets the recovery. Bingo. Bango. Game time for the Dolphins. We could watch it from this angle. Here we go. I know all the backup. Take it up with Game Pass, folks. Take it up with Game Pass. I'm taking it up with them. I'm calling them every single day, knowing that their new service is trash. But here we go from the 11-yard line. Mac Jones hands off the ball. Ball gets stripped out, and there's Xavier Howard at the bottom of the pile to recover the ball. A true ball hawk led the league in interceptions last season and recovers the game-winning fumble here. He renegotiated his contract, held out, said, hey, y'all need to pay me more because I'm that gosh dang good. And that comes out here week one and proves it. Proves he's worth all this money. Very, very well done to Xavier Howard. So Xavier Howard for the performance on 9-12-21 game-winning 
fumble recovery on Dolphins plus three and a half. Very well done. Thank you, Xavier Howard, for living up to your expectations because, you know, when we took the Dolphins plus three and a half, we were like, Xavier Howard is going to be a menace to Mac Jones in this Patriots offense. And it turned out that true at the last play defensively. Well done. All righty. Uh, we got the two more. The next one is going to be Derek Carr. Yes, sir. In overtime, he throws a pick. But, hey, he gets a second opportunity, and we had them plus three and a half points. Uh, three and a half or four. What was it officially? Plus three and a half, and it's tie game. Lamar Jackson could go down and win the game off a touchdown. They win by six, but he fumbles the ball, and Derek Carr's like, I'm not letting this second opportunity pass me by, and Derek Carr throws an absolute strike wide open for the win, folks, for the win. Can we pull it up quickly? It's got to be a highlight. No, it's got to be a highlight, and here is a highlight. So let's watch Derek Carr's highlights here to win the game. 31-yard walk-off touchdown. Blitz coming wide open. Floats it up. Bingo, bango. Raiders win by six. We had them plus three and a half. Derek Carr stays the course. Got down. Ended up fighting. Clawing his way back. Throws an interception in overtime. Erases his memory, comes back with a clean slate, and fires 31 yards for the touchdown. So well done by Derek Carr for the fameless for his 9-13-21 performance. Game winning touchdown throw in OT. We had the Raiders plus three and a half. That's how you get it done. And we got one more, folks. We got one more person to put on this fame list for their absolutely extraordinary extraordinary play in the game so let's take it over to buffalo in the pittsburgh steelers we had the steelers plus six and a half points so many points but they were down 10 but they stayed the course and guess who comes up big time with the block punt six folks a block Punt six to make it a three-point lead for the Steelers to a 10-point lead for the Steelers with with our six and a half points. We are up 16 and a half points with nine minutes left in the game. That's kind of a short thing. I know nothing's a short thing in a lock in this league, but this kind of made it a short thing and made us breathe a big old sigh of relief that our Steelers plus six and a half points absolutely hit here. Hit big time. Uh, let's see if I can bring up the quick, the block kick quickly I already had it up folks so don't come at me um, in the comments or anything I had it up and then the NFL.com website just kept refreshing but it's a block punt I don't know why they don't have a highlight made of it already top plays from week one the block punt isn't even on there so it doesn't seem like we're going to be able to bring up their great block kick quickly we'll shout out the name in a second Let me see if I can bring it up quickly, quickly, quickly. We're looking at uh, 9. Oh, yeah, we're almost there. 9.35, 9.35. Here we go. Back it up a couple more seconds. And we're getting to the block kick. Here we go, folks. Here we go. Let's get this block kick six, folks. Are y'all ready for this? Let's get the guy's name. 
Ulysses Gilbert, folks. Ulysses Gilbert. Look at that great block punt returned for the six. Let's watch it one more time here in full fashion. Here we go. This is not it. That's the run. And here comes the block punt any minute. That's a great catch in the corner of the end zone. And here comes the block punt right up the middle. Boom, block. Ulysses Gilbert picks it up. Scoop and score. Last final eight yards. And that's the touchdown to go up by eight points. So Ulysses. Ulysses. Gilbert. I think it's Gilbert. I think that's what I wrote down. If I can't read my own handwriting, we'll definitely fix that and correct it. But I'm pretty sure it's Ulysses Gilbert for his 9, 12, 21 block kick six with our Steelers plus six and a half points. So well done to those three players on the fame list. Keep it going. Keep making us kind of bet on y'all to hit it and secure the value in the picks for your team. Shout out to Xavier Howard, Derek Carr, and Ulysses Gilbert for amazing week one performances to make our picks correct. We appreciate it hugely. But with every good side of the list, there is a bad side of the list. With every ying, there is a yang, folks. And there's some players that absolutely beefed it big time this week. So big time, folks. So much big time, they went and beefed it big. So let's talk about these people. All right. Our first player up on the shameless is Kirk Cousins. Why could he just not do more? He's not the main reason why uh, this Vikings team didn't cover the minus four and all, all of that. I get it. But he did play a big part in this game, not putting up a lot of points and getting out to a slow start and getting down 21-0 and truly kind of getting outperformed by... Joe Burrow, how are you getting outperformed by Joe, Joe Burrow who's coming off an ankle injury? You should have had this game in the bag 100%, but you want to flounder? Yes, his stats look good, and yes, he didn't turn over the football. But still, at the end of the day, he got down 21-7. He threw for 351 yards, which, once again, it's on paper, looks good. But, you know, he was always, you know, his back against the wall and having to go and throw the ball and sling it around just to tie the game to get to overtime. While Joe Burrow was just kind of, you know, playing lax and loose and letting it fly and getting it out to a good start. So, I'm just over Kirk Cousins. I mean, you know, he's highly regarded as a good quarterback and the stats on paper look good. But he's not winning any meaningful games. And you didn't put your team in a position to be successful in the early part of the game. And you get down 21-7. I don't care if you come back at that point. It's like, you know, all right, you know, it's do or die. You got to sling it around. And then, you know, you don't win the game. And that's more of Delvin Cook. And we're going to put him on the shame list also in a second. But Kirk Cousins for not doing more. Not doing more. Well, let's put up the date here. Uh, we got the 9 12 21 not doing enough, getting outplayed by Joe Burrow. We had the Vikings minus four, folks. Kirk Cousins didn't do anything to help that. And then we have a Delvin Cook 
Man, oh man, you fumble in the big time. They're in overtime. They're in uh, like they're at like the 30. I think they're at close to like the 40 yard line of the Bengals. All they have to do is keep moving the ball, moving the ball, moving the ball. Potentially score a touchdown, win by six, and a walk off on overtime. Um, that covers the minus four. But just to get into field goal position, they win by three. It still wouldn't have covered the bat, but maybe we we wouldn't have put them on the shameless for keeping it close. But Delvin Cook fumbling the ball, fumbling the ball in overtime. Jeez Louise. And whether he fumbled or not, it didn't seem like he fumbled. It should have been probably down by contact. But you still put the ref in the position to make that call. You still lost the ball at the end of the day. And for Delvin Cook for that, you're definitely on the shameless for your 9-12 performance. Fumbling in overtime. Absolutely inexcusable. Welcome to the shameless. Absolutely trash. We are 100% off the Vikings team now. We will never bet them. We will never root for them. We will never get behind them again because it's the same old team from last season. Nothing's changed. Fumbles, turnovers in the big time spots by Delvin Cook and Kirk Cousins. I'm over it. They're trash. They can't get it done. Welcome to the shameless. Shame on you uh, so far. We got one more though. And we're going to go uh, the 49ers defense. Now, we pushed on this bet, but they were a big time. We know they were a big time, folks, like a 20-point lead at one point. But then they give up like 14 points in the fourth quarter when the game was already over with like 10 minutes left. You allow the Lions to go down and score twice and make our bet that would have been a surefire winner into a push. And nobody wants to push. You want to win. Obviously, you don't want to lose, so a push is better than nothing. But a push is still not a win at the end of the day. And the 49ers were winning that minus eight bet. Yeah, but then they, they floundered. So the 49ers defense for for your uh, 9-12-21 performance for allowing Lions to backdoor push with the minus 8, with the plus 8. So Kirk Cousins, Delvin Cook, 49ers defense, thank you for ruining our picks. Thank you for, you know, making us look like fools in our thinking. Uh, you know, thank you for, you know, well, shame on you for, you know, making us give bad information and bad takes and bad picks and predictions to y'all, the fans. I do this for y'all. I don't want to, you know, I don't want y'all to lose. I don't want what I say make y'all lose. And, you know, this is why they lost right there. Shame these people. Don't come at me. We did our research. They didn't get it done on the field. Delvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, 49ers defense, shame on thou. Shame on thou. Alrighty. Let's head over to our NFL pod. Nope. Yeah, let's do power rankings. All right, let's do our power rankings, our first power rankings of the year, folks. How great. Um, so we do this every Tuesday. During the NFL season, now that every team has played, the Thursday night game is over, the Sundays are over, the Monday night game is over. We know what every team is looking like, so now we can accurately rank these teams. Alrighty. Now, these were the power rankings at the end of the regular season last season. Uh, these are still up. We didn't take them down, so this is how our power rankings ended last season. Browns at 10, Steelers at 9, Titans at 8, Saints at 7, Se Seahawks at 6, Bucks at five, Packers at four, Ravens at three, Chiefs at two, Bills at one. Now, is that going to play at all into our power rankings this year? No. <laughs> I just left them up there. Uh, so, 
We ranked these teams 10 through 1 through 10, 10 through 1. We're going to go from 10 all the way up to number 1. And uh, first week, who showed out? Who showed us great things? Who did not? And uh, who deserves to be on this list? So let's start the power rankings here at number 10. And the number 10 team in the league is the 49ers. All righty. Well, their offense was looking real gosh dang good. They put up 41 points on the road, which is absolutely great. Jimmy Garoppolo was looking good. Uh, you know, 314 yards, one touchdown, real solid out there. Unfortunately, Raheem Mostert's going to be out for a couple of weeks out there. But Eli Mitchell, 19 carries for 104 yards, solidly getting it done as well. Debo Samuel getting open whenever he wanted, 189 yards, a touchdown. Uh, George Kittle obviously being good as well. And the 49ers defense, for the most part, good until the fourth quarter. And that's why we have the 49ers so low. Um... I want to put them up on this list because of their offense, but their defense not playing a full 60 minutes of NFL football, a slight tad concerning. Uh, you know, they had that big lead. What was it? 41 to, what was the biggest lead they had? 41 to 17, and then they end up only winning 41 to 33. But that defense giving up two touchdowns with only 10 minutes left in the game, a little bit of a, you know, left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, we're not going to punish them too bad for that by leaving them out of the top 10, but they will be number 10. Offense, I can believe into Jimmy Garoppolo's looking real gosh dang good um, and the defense maybe just clean it up a tad out there and uh, we'll be moving you up come week two but uh, 49ers at number one or at number 10 geez all right, number nine, I'm going to give a big, big credit to this team. Big credit to this team. Very well done. I'm going the Philadelphia Eagles at number nine. Jalen Hurts is looking good. He is the quarterback that we thought he could be. Truly got it done. And what was more impressive is that he got it done week one on the road in Atlanta. That's a huge reason why we have them at number nine is winning on the road and looking real gosh dang good. 32 points. Um, you know, great completion percentage for Jalen Hurts. Let's get his uh, all of his uh, stats up here, Thir 27 of 35 for 264 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, didn't fumble either, or he fumbled but didn't lose it, but, you know, not turning the ball over on the road for really his first full season out here since he, you know, started real late last year, so great there, um, you know, in the whole kind of, you know, small controversy of Nick Sirianni not naming him the starter right off the rip and making him earn it, going out there and playing the way he did, truly got to give him credit, and the way that he worked with the Devontae Smith right off the rib, six receptions for that man for 71 yards and a touchdown, giving him the ball and utilizing his weapons in the run game for the Eagles, truly getting it done. We can really rely on Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts. The run and pass game is really complementing each other right here. Miles Sanders going for 74 yards and then the Eagles defense. I mean, I don't know how good or not good this Falcons team is. We're saying not good because what the hell? You only put up six points at home. Jeez Louise. But this Eagles defense not allowing any points given and gave up six points on the first two drives and then shut it down for the rest of the day and it wasn't because they were forcing turnovers nobody turned the ball over here for Atlanta they were just making them punt after punt after punt after punt so for that the Eagles winning on the road huge great look Jalen Hurts looking good Eagles at nine well done well done Alrighty, our number eight team is going to be the Dallas Cowboys, and it's real close here. The eight and nine matchup here with the Cowboys being eight, Eagles being nine. Um, I was very, very close to putting the Eagles at eight. Um, just unfortunate. 
Um, the Cowboys ended up losing. I get it. And maybe that's why we should have put the Eagles at eight instead of the Cowboys. But, but the Cowboys had a little bit of a higher caliber opponent and they lost very close. Only a two point loss. And Dak Prescott's offense was looking fantastic. And the Cowboys defense was looking pretty solid. Ball Hawks able to create those turnovers unfortunately just you know had to play the first game of the year on the road against defending Super Bowl champions I truly think the Cowboys held their own and really just showed out and Dak Prescott looking absolutely amazing I'm gonna give the slight edge to Dallas over the Eagles even though it is very very close the Cowboys perform performing as well as they did on the road. I think that's a little bit more impressive, but I give a lot of credit to the Eagles for blowing out the Falcons. Um, it's just the Falcons are a little less of an opponent than the Bucks are, obviously. So no disrespect to the Eagles. I truly mean that. Um, I just loved what I saw from Dak Prescott and that offense and that defense a lot better than what I thought it was going to look like week one. So well done to the Cowboys. Alrighty, our number seven pick is going to be the Browns, folks. Yes, I said it. The Cleveland mother-loving Browns. How good is this team looking? Baker Mayfield doesn't need to be the best quarterback in the league or the top 10 quarterback in the league. He's not. Um, top 10? Maybe 10, 9. I'm not putting him like top 5. Obviously, top 7. Obviously, possibly 15 through 8 like in that range you can make the argument come with me with your arguments I would probably agree wherever you have him but that's not the reason why they're this high it's not the reason it's the running game it's the defense it's the weapons all over the place it's being competitive here with this Chiefs team unfortunately like how the Cowboys were we liked what we saw from the Cowboys it's just unfortunately they had to play an absolute great team week one that's what happened with this Browns team they got out to a nice start I loved it they were aggressive three straight touchdowns down drives on their first three drives of the game. Loved it. They're running back by committee. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt getting it done. Baker Mayfield being a game-managing quarterback. Their defense making the plays. Um, did they get any turnovers here? They didn't get any turnovers, but still, you know, allowing the Chiefs offense to get out to a slow start because of their defense helped the Browns, you know, establish that lead early in the game. So I love their pieces everywhere. Kevin Stefanski is coaching this team absolutely perfect perfectly folks uh, we just need Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb to clean up the turnovers a little bit that's really the only reason why they lost um, so love what we're seeing out of the Browns here week one it's picking up exactly where it left off last season which was absolutely great so the Browns at uh, number seven very well done Baker Mayfield just clean it up a little bit more and you, they can literally beat any team in this league big on this Browns team alrighty number six is going to be the Saints. And woo, what a performance. Week one, Jameis Winston on a neutral field. Going against the former MVP and Aaron Rodgers. And he went and simply outplayed the MVP of last season. In his first official real start as the main man here in New Orleans. Jameis Winston got it done. In the Saints defense picking off Aaron Rodgers twice. And only holding them to three points. We know they've been kind of shuffling around their cornerbacks uh, the last week. Heading into week one. But they figured it all out. And they put a workable team together. Winning 38-3. So, well done to the Saints defense. Jameis Winston's looking accurate. Five touchdowns. 
We know he's got the big arm. We know his accuracy is there. They just signed uh, Kenny Stills as a wide receiver today. Uh, so, you know, adding a little bit more depth. Alvin Kamara still getting it done like he does. And once again, just everything that was going along with the Saints team and Hurricane Ida with the stadium and the community and the city and all that. Losing Drew Brees and having to face Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and all that. And you're on a neutral field and then you still show up and show out big time. Great leadership there by Jameis Winston. Great overall. It just felt like everybody on the Saints team was there in the moment and buying into everybody, buying into each other, knowing that they're good and, you know, just relying on what they did in practice and proving it out there in this game. A true dominant performance for the Saints team. And we credit them with the number six spot in our power rankings. Alrighty, number five is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. Woof, woof. Man, oh man, great look offensively out here by the Seahawks team. Russell Wilson looking absolutely extraordinary. You know, how he looked kind of the first half of last season, exactly how he looked this, uh, you know, this game, game one. Great completion percentage, 18 of 23, 254 yards, four touchdowns, not turning over the ball. Chris Carson running the ball very well, 91 yards on that end. Tyler Lockett getting open, 100 yards receiving. DK Metcalf, 60-yard receiving. So, tight end Will Disley, 37 yards receiving. I mean, the, all the pieces are working here. They're putting up 28 points on the road against its Colts team. That's defense is real solid. And Seattle coming in on the road and kind of winning in blowout fashion. 12 points against a real solid team right here. Uh, you got to give it up for them. And then the Seahawks defense never giving up anything really big to Carson Wentz. You know, we talked about it when we broke down this game. Carson Wentz only throwing to really his running backs and having his running backs do the work. So the Seahawks are going to have to clean up the running game, running defense a little bit um, and know how they play the running backs out of the backfield because that was the only reason why the Colts really put up any meaningful yards in this game. So, you know, the the narrative that, you know, uh, Russell Wilson's upset is obviously out the window. We've known that. We've been known that. And they uh, uh, truly went out and performed and uh, put that narrative uh, you know, to rest times 10 uh, here in week one. So Seattle coming out firing on the road. Great job by Seattle. Alrighty, our number four team in the league is going to be the Bucks, folks. And man, oh man, just looking great offensively, defensively. Lost a couple of pieces defensively. Sean Murphy bunting, unfortunately, going to be out for you know a little bit. So we'll see how they come out week two with that kind of knock against them. Um, you know, Tom Brady looking great. The receiving core looking great. Gronkowski looking great. Um, you know, just how they handle the Cowboys offense going toe to toe with them. And, you know, we've been hearing Tom Brady, you know, say, Hey, I'm even better before than before in the overall offense and defense collectively saying, Hey, you know, we're returning all 11 starters offensively, defensively. And, you know, we're at the kind of prime right now. We were just hitting our stride at the Super Bowl. Now we had this entire, you know, off season to get prepared. And, you know, we're here and, you know, putting a lot of pressure on themselves to perform week one. And they did it at home. And, you know, game-winning drive and Gronkowski and everything going right for this Bucks team. They're looking absolutely almost unstoppable. Cowboys tried their damnedest, came up just short. We'll see who else is going to be able to challenge them this year. But this Bucks team returning everybody, looking real great right off the rip. And uh, Bucks at number four. 
All right, number three team is going to be the Chiefs. Whew, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, y'all know the deal. Down 10 points, it doesn't matter. They come back and win. Slow start, doesn't matter. They come back to win. Um, you know, forcing the turnovers there in crucial times. Chiefs defense truly stepping up. And then it's Patrick Mahomes, I mean, doing what he does. Getting them in prime field position to score some points, touchdowns, field goals, but doing it at the most opportune time when they were down and struggling in the first quarter to move the ball and put up any points, just staying the course, down, 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 Browns, uh, you know, putting up 22 points in the first half, you know, scoring on every single one of their drives in the first half, that doesn't phase the Chiefs, let's go into halftime, let's reorganize, let's rework this, and then they come out firing, and they win the game, no problem, and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Browns, another great team here. So the Chiefs are doing what the Chiefs do. Patrick Mahomes is doing what Patrick Mahomes does. Tyreek Hill is doing what Tyreek Hill does. Travis Kelsey is doing what Travis Kelsey does. And the head coach, Andy Reid, is doing what Andy Reid does, which is win games, strategically win games, putting Patrick Mahomes in the team in the right play-calling scenarios to win the game, and they always take advantage. Um, so the Chiefs, folks, I mean, they are the real deal. We know this. Alrighty, our number two team is going to be the Cardinals, folks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, folks, I don't even know if the Titans are even a good team anymore because of what the Cardinals did to them defensively. Chandler Jones, five sacks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Locking up Derrick Henry. Oh, my God. The fact that Derrick Henry... Had how many how many yards did he have like forty yards not even I don't even think it was that much. Uh, where is this game? I gotta bring it up. I must know how many yards Derrick Henry had because it's so disrespectfully low. I'm upset even thinking about it. Um, where are they at? Where are they at? Cardinals. Here we go. Okay. Derrick Henry. What is his stats looking like? Jeez. It was like 30 yards. It was like less than 30 yards. Let me look up this. Come on. Here we go. Uh, holding Derek. Oh, Derek Henry had 58 rushing yards. I thought it was a little low. Uh, but either way, that's still a good performance there. Uh, locking up Derek Henry for only 58 yards, where usually Derek Henry is the game wrecker. You know, 100 yards, multiple touchdowns. Cardinals didn't fall for that. And Derek Henry just never really got to do anything. And uh, Tannehill really couldn't utilize his weapons because this Cardinals defense was locking it up. And then, you know, have you all noticed that we went the entire time talking about this Cardinals team without talking about the offense. I mean, geez, Louise. I mean, that's just their defense, folks. And then we've got Kyler Murray taking this amazing step that, you know, we knew would happen, but here it is. We we're seeing it. 21 of 32 for 289 yards, four passing touchdowns, one interception. He ran for another 20 yards in a uh, touchdown. I mean, just going to his weapons. DeAndre Hopkins, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Christian Kirk, 70 yards, two touchdowns. Rondell Moore, 68 yards, Chase Edmonds, 43 yards, and A.J. Green, 25 yards. It's just like, sheesh, this offense is truly getting it done, and you got to watch out for this Cardinals team offensively, defensively getting it done, going into Tennessee and making it seem like the Titans haven't been playoff teams for the last two seasons, like they haven't just gotten to the AFC Championship game two seasons ago. I mean, folks, 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 the Cardinals came out, exploded onto the scene, and we're going to you know, give them all the credit that they deserve by placing them at number two. 
And then our number one team, we got to give it up for them, is the Rams, folks. The offense, the defense, sheesh. Matthew Stafford absolutely flinging that thing around. Three touchdown passes, no interceptions for the man. How many yards? How many yards? 321. And the Rams defense locking up Andy Dalton, not, li not letting him do anything and making him throw an interception on the first drive classic so the defense just being good like we knew it would be Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay I mean just launching it deep it was there, there was like two big passes here yeah here we go Matthew Stafford 67 yards for the touchdown um what else do we get here oh can we talk about the kicker 53 yard field goal talk about good special teams um what else do we get here Matthew Stafford, deep touchdown pass to Cooper Cup, 56 yards. So we know the great offensive mind of Sean McVay now with the quarterback that can do all the things that Sean McVay wants to do that Jared Goff couldn't do. They finally got it. And Daryl Henderson, their running back. Cam Akers being out for the season. Daryl Henderson having to take over and be the number one running back. 70 yards, game one. We'll take that. Just great weapons here. I mean, Cooper Cup. 108 yards. Von Jefferson 80 yards. Tyler Higby 68 yards. I mean, this is what this team is. Offense, explosion, defense, lockdown. Great team overall. Smart head coach. Oh, and yeah, the Super Bowl is in LA as well. They want that same Bucks treatment and they may almost freaking get it, folks. Rams at number one. All right, so to recap these teams, we get 49ers at 10, Eagles at 9, Cowboys at 8, Browns at 7, Saints at 6, Seahawks at 5, Bucks at 4, Chiefs at 3, Cardinals at 2. Rams are the number one team in the league after week one. We will update this list come next Tuesday once we see what every team does for week two. Alrighty, we are going super long today, but we've got to fit things in today, folks. And we are going to end the show with our new list of this season. We are focusing big, big, big on the tight ends this season. We saw tight end university this offseason. We love the idea of it. Tight ends whining to kind of show what they can do. Want more respect in the media, national media, by fans talking about them, all that. They just want more respect. They want a little bit more money to which they have been getting Mark Andrews just signed that contract extension Kyle Pitts being taken fourth overall got that big rookie money as well two of the biggest deals that the tight ends have ever had have just come from this season alone folks because of tight end university them having the tight end summit learning from each other getting better so they can all be good and all put the league on notice so their value collectively increases so we are going to be looking at the top tight ends in this league we will have a weekly rating on what the tight ends are doing so they want to classify this and call it tight end university well, let's go back to school, baby, because we are officially calling this list the 2021 Summa Cum Laude tight end, folks. Summa Cum Laude, the highest honor that you can get in college. 
Um, I, I can give up what it means. It is French. It is France. Um, oh, I thought I had it up. It's like the highest honor or something. Y'all know they wear it at graduation. You know, the colors in that. And I believe it's pronounced summa cum laude. I think you pronounce it laude, not loud. So that's how we're going to be pronouncing it. So don't come at us. Uh, the 2021 summa cum laude tight end. Every tight end will get judged. Or the elite ones. Uh, the ones that are impressing us the most. And these are the ones that really put us on notice this week. And we're going to take a look and give them a letter grade and rank them every week. And then at the end of week eight, well, the end of the season, we will see who the best tight end is and crown the one tight end, the summa cum laude honor of the best season at the tight end position, folks. So our nominees for this week uh, we've got a couple of names that we want to look at um, their highlights their stats what they did their contribution to the wins to the games overall and then we will rank them we're only going to do a top five list I was thinking about top seven top ten is too many top seven yeah but we're going to narrow it and refine it down to a top five and we'll re uh, you know we'll re-rank these orders every single week and whoever's at number one at the end of the year takes home the summa cum laude honors. So, who we're going to be looking at today, our nominees today are Gronk, Darren Waller, TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, Travis Kelsey, Tyler Higby, Logan Thomas, and George Kittle. Now, there are only five spots available, so if you want to be in the top five, you better impress us. And our first candidate today is going to be Rob Gronkowski. So let's get his, uh, his overall production up from Thursday night football. First game of the season. Now the Bucks won the game. That's fantastic. How much did Rob Gronkowski do to put forward a winning effort? Well, let's check his overall stat line. If it will load. If it will load. <laughs> Come on. Is anything going to load here? Are we going to have to push this off till tomorrow? <laughs> Can't fit this in today? They said you've gone too long. You cannot go any further. <laughs> you cannot go any longer today. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Is the highlight package uh, up? Can we play the highlight package? All right, we can. So here we go. All right, stats for Rob Gronkowski. Week one, the man truly got it done. Third leading wide receiver for this team. Uh, third leading receiver, I should just say, since he's a tight end. But eight catches for 90 yards and two touchdowns. Let's see what this man brought week one. Over the middle of the field and a great, great catch right here that had to be put right on the money between two defenders. And he goes and extends to catch the ball. Absolutely great credit there by Gronk. And then over the middle of the field, another catch. And now here we go in the end zone, a block and release. And there he is catching it for the touchdown. Fantastic. Woof. What else do we get? A nice Gronk spike as well. Here we go. Another defender draped all over him. 15 yards down the field on the sideline, bringing in the ball. No problem. And then here we go. Another block and release from the 10-yard line. And then he takes it in for another touchdown. That's his second touchdown of the day. Another check down route. And he flies. Flashes the one-handed catch there. No problem. And another catch right here. Let's see this one. 
First and 15, just boop, seven yards, bingo, bingo. You can't bring this down, man, bring this man down easily. And another catch in the middle of the field to pick up the first down. And then he trucks two defenders to stay on his feet for another two yard gain. So overall, Rob Gronkowski just truly dominating this league. And really, that warrants an A plus performance by Gronk. Two two touchdowns winning the game a huge reason why he won the game man oh man we got to put Gronk at this number one spot for now and we'll see if any other one of our candidates can knock him off that spot but Gronk's definitely got to go into that number one spot with an A plus ranking from week one alrighty who is our next candidate up We've got TJ Hawkinson. Sheesh, and he did pretty well uh, here. He was the leading receiver for this Lions team. Eight receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. Let's see if we can quickly watch a couple of these TJ Hawkinson highlights um, in how he was looking in this game. So here we go. We got a couple here. Where can we start? Here we go. Two-point conversion. Here we go. Getting the two-point conversion here now. This can when they were already down but just wide open right there taking it in for the two-point conversion and trying to make it a little bit more competitive than it truly seemed but just getting that great separation on the goal line and a surefire catch we'll take it all right where is this other tj hawkinson where else do we get tj hawkinson highlights at here we go. Third and goal. TJ Hawkinson, I believe, for the score here. Now, this is a great time to score the ball. They're down 7 nothing in the second quarter. TJ Hawkinson on the left side, and then he beats the defender and takes it in, and they get out to a decently fine start here, tying up the game 7-7. Great job by TJ Hawkinson right there. And then we're going to have another highlight here, a big play. Like a 33, no, 22-yard catch. Let's see what this can, this man can do down the field. So here we go. It's a play-action pass by Jared Goff rolling out wide open about three yards down the field. But then his run-after catchability, his ability to kind of, you know, take two defenders and drag them another five yards. Yeah, that's exactly what tight ends are made out of. The block and release, the, you know, wide open right there. I mean, nobody even playing them. And then just that big size of these tight ends, two defenders trying to bring them down to the ground and they just cannot so an overall a real solid performance here by TJ Hawkinson unfortunately the Lions overall weren't the best team so I'm going to give this uh, TJ Hawkinson uh, an A minus for his overall performance it was great individual team they lose the game unfortunate so we go down a little bit but we'll put uh, TJ Hawkinson at number two so far, and we'll see if he uh, goes down by everybody else that we've, every other candidate that we have up. So that's T.J. Hawkinson. Now let's go to Dallas Goddard. Very well done. The Eagles win the game. Fantastic. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, Dallas Goddard, four catches for 42 yards and a touchdown. Let's watch this touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard, folks, and let's see if he truly got it done. So let's see where this touchdown came. Here we go to go up 15-6. to six. Uh, We are going to have to bring this play up. I don't know why they don't have it on a highlight clip. What is that? You better respect these tight ends out here. All right, so let's go to these highlights. Here we go. Let's see if we can quickly spot Dallas Goddard's touchdown. 
Where Dallas Goddard at? Come on. Should be on this drive. Eagles driving. All right. Here we go. Should be the touchdown right here. Bingo. Here we go. Dallas Goddard. All right, so here we go. Eagles in the red zone. Jalen Hurts from his own nine-yard line. Drops back to pass. Rolls out of the pocket. But Dallas Goddard in the end zone. Sheesh. I mean, geez, how he had to fit this ball in. Real big crowd right there down in the goal line. And Dallas Goddard is able to look over the traffic and catch that touchdown pass and get them out to a nice 15-6 to lead that really just kind of helped them carry them to the win now he didn't do as much production as the other tight ends did but still a nice solid performance right here we'll give Dallas Goddard a nice B plus there doing you know taking advantage of the situation only five targets for four receptions one drop um very well done um but Dallas Goddard we're gonna rank him as kind of number three right here we'll have him under TJ Hawkinson just more yards there by Gronk and Hawkinson. But we got to shout out Dallas Goddard with that nice uh, touchdown and early in the game before it was a blowout right there. So helping contribute to the blowout, we give a lot of credit to. All right, next candidate up. Who do we got? We got Tyler Higby. Woof. All right, here we go for the Rams. Let's see what Tyler Higby put up at the tight end position. Here we go. Third leading receiver here for the Rams. Five receptions for 68 yards. No touchdown, unfortunately. Let's see. Uh, Tyler Higby. Let's see his uh, little highlights here. I thought we did we yeah here we go here's this uh, big old 37 yard catch here let's see how it goes so they're up 20 to 14 Matthew Stafford going deep and look at that wide open on the right sideline a nice stiff arm to fend off a defender so we can go another kind of nine yards and a great release right there great speed great catch I mean a great throw but another great catch there by TJ Hawkinson look at that man go woof woof TJ Hawkinson getting it done now now, unfortunately, he didn't score in this game. Unfortunate, but a nice big catch there to set up a score. We can definitely get behind. So, Tyler Higby, a little bit of a, uh, you know, C-plus performance. One great big old play right there. Unfortunately, didn't score. So, we will put Tyler Higby at the, the number four position. Now, it's not all just, you know, scoring and, you know, catches and all that. It's all, you know, situation and all that. So we are going to put Tyler Higby at number four, but we got another candidate up here. Here we go. All right, next one up is going to be... Who do we got up? Uh, Logan Thomas, already for Washington, coming out of the woodwork here this uh, week one. Absolutely love it. So here we go. Logan Thomas, second leading receiver for this Washington team. Only 30 yards, three catches, 30 yards, but he did have a touchdown pass. So let's watch this Logan Thomas touchdown. And let's see how he's looking here and where he deserves. So here we go, 6'6", six, six, Logan Thomas in the red zone right here. Here we go, Taylor Heineke going to a nice safety blanket. And woof, look at that man, rise up and catch it. Logan Thomas, great positioning here on the defender in front of him. And all you have to do, Taylor Heineke, is throw up the ball. And look where this touchdown came, folks. They were down. They were down 9-13 to 13 in the third quarter. And... 
Logan Thomas makes an incredible catch right here. Big, tall, go up and get it. Yes, sir. Makes a great catch right there for the seven points. Makes Washington regain the lead right here. Unfortunate, the defense kind of, you know, flounders and the offense isn't able to put up more points, but they're not targeting Logan Thomas. How many targets did he have? We had Logan Thomas. Three targets, three receptions. So, you know, go to Logan Thomas more. You can move the ball down the field a little bit more out there. So, great, great job by Logan Thomas. We're going to give him a B-plus grade, and we're going to move him in front of... We're going to move him to number three. So, now we're going to have... Logan, actually, yeah, we're going to move Logan Thomas down to number three. Logan Thomas, and then everybody follows suit. All right, we'll move everybody down. But we've got more nominees, so more potential movement here on this list. Who is next up? Uh, we got to do Travis Kelsey now. All righty, what did Travis Kelsey do? A founder of Titan University. Or not, uh, who did I say? Did I say Travis Kelsey? I meant George Kittle. Let's do George Kittle is up next. Here we go, George Kittle. Didn't really get it too much done here. Well, he kind of did. I lied. Uh, but here we go. Four receptions for 78 yards. Absolutely fantastic. No touchdown, unfortunately. Let's see if we get any, any nice highlights here by our man, George Kittle. I believe he's got a highlight package up here somewhere. Here we go. This is the one that made the big old news. Here we go. 35-yard stiff arm helping with the run after the catch. So here we go. I mean, just great separation. A stiff arm that sends that man into kind of oblivion. Then he's able to get another kind of 10, 15 yards right there. And that's what George Kittle's been teaching in tight end university. The bless of the stiff arm. I mean, look at it. This man, he's got him falling all over himself, stumbling and bumbling over here. But great job by George Kittle to get wide open. The great stiff arm. And then he's able to take it for another 14 yards after the stiff arm. So that's just what George Kittle brings to the table. Uh, let's see where this one came. Now, this catch came when they were already blowing them out 31-10, to 10, but still great job. He wasn't truly needed in this game, but, you know, when he when his number's called, he'll go up and get it. Five targets for four catches, and he was a second-leading receiver here for this 49ers team. So, unfortunately, did not score the ball, unfortunately, so we're just going to give him a B grade. Just great stiff arm right there. And we're going to put uh, uh, George Kittle at number five here. Actually, we're going to put him above Tyler Higby. Uh, so we will put him at number five. Or we'll put him at number four. Tyler Higby goes down. And we'll clean all this up at the end. Uh, but uh, who else we got? We got uh, two more, folks. Two more two, two more candidates to go over. Next one up is Darren Waller. And how can we not talk about this man? Jeez Louise. Can we talk about this man? Y'all want to talk about this man? Led, the lead, led his team in receiving yards. Ten catches. Targeted 19 times. 105 yards. One touchdown. Got it done. Let's watch his touchdown here, folks. 
Or actually, we get a best plays out of here by Darren Waller. So, minute 31 highlight of this man. Let's see what this man can do. Here we go. Derek Carr dropping back to pass. And may, I mean, I mean, folks, can we talk about this pass right here? Not the best pass, you know, high and away where it needs to be because it's tight coverage. But Darren Waller, all six, six of them, you see him make that great extension. Fantastic. I mean, that's what we're talking about. A setup tight end screen, and Darren Waller takes it for eight yards. Um, initiating the contract contact because he's six six. Why would he not? Here we go. Next play. Derek Carr finding him wide open, 30 yards down the field. Fantastic. Makes the open catch. Able to get that separation. Find the space. Here we go. In the red zone now. Second and 10. Picks up eight yards. Great job right there. Got to see his touchdown, too. Can't wait for it. Here we go. Derek Carr dropping back the pass. Fires to Darren Waller open in the middle of the field. Had about two yards of separation right there. Here we go. Another tight end screen. Makes the most of it. Uh, not the best blocking right there, but got about four yards. A nice pop right there, and he pops right back up because he's 6'6". Beefy as heck, folks. Give the man his respect. Here we go. Then Darren Waller on first and 10, seven yards, eight yards, nine yards, however you want to mark it. Looks like eight yards officially fantastic. You cannot cover this man. He's lining up all over the field. So versatile. And there he is, first and goal, getting them down at the 10-yard line now. Here we go. This is the touchdown pass. Darren Waller over the middle of the field. Two defenders trying to bring him down at the three-yard line, and he just stays on his feet, extends for the touchdown. Last play right here, Darren Waller. Baller. And to set up the game-tying field goal, folks, to set up the game-tying field goal, this is an A-plus performance by Darren Waller right here, and I'm going to give Darren Waller the number one spot here. It's very, very close. Gronk and Darren Waller both scoring A-pluses out here uh, for great scoreability, but uh, Darren Waller to set up you know, that game-tying field goal, that was absolutely fantastic. And I think that's really going to be the thing that, you know, that extra oomph to give Darren Waller that edge over Gronk. But it's going to be one and two. And then our final, our final nominee of the day, we've got uh, the OG, the founder, Travis Kelsey, folks. All right, where is this game at? Why don't I have? Why don't I have this game up? Where are we at? Browns and Chiefs, right here. Okay, now let's talk about Travis Kelsey, folks. Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, second leading receiver here for the Chiefs, which is no surprise to us. Six catches on seven targets for 76 yards, and he had two touchdowns. Fantastic. Let's see where these touchdowns came. The first one came. Right here when they were down 22 to 10, coming out of halftime, Travis Kelsey, a nice 11-yard touchdown. And then his second touchdown comes when they were down 27 to 29, the go-ahead score for Travis Kelsey to make it 33-29 into win the game. And let's see what Travis Kelsey was doing here. Best plays from his two-touchdown game. Let's see what he does here. A minute and 20-second highlight clip here for their final nominee. So here we go. Over the middle of the field. Easy peasy. The great separation. That's what Travis Kelsey was teaching all all class session long there at tight end university and hopefully everybody listened uh we had some great performances so it did seem like everybody listened travis kelsey again over the middle of the field wide open for the first down no problem 
play action pass and there he is once again do you see that zone right there three defenders and he's in the middle of them and then he's bingo bango now inside the 10 yard line that that ability to find the soft spot of the zone bring everybody down inside the one yard line setting up scores they were down 15 to 3 setting up that touchdown yes he scored to himself but he's also setting up everybody else here we go again in the middle of the field nobody even close to him why is that because he's so gifted at selling routes and running the routes and blocking and releasing and waiting to the last possible second for free releases so nobody's on him but now here we go his first touchdown pass easy peasy and then just takes the contact for the last two yards for the touchdown for the score. Big, beefy Travis Kelsey. Give him his respect. Give him his respect. All right, here we go. And back once again over the middle of the field. You're only going to put one linebacker on him. Well, you're going to lose if you do that. They do that. Two other defenders try to cut him off before he can cross the goal line, before the go-ahead score, but they just can't, and that's the touchdown. Travis Kelsey, another A-plus performer out here. Um Man, oh man, this is tough. So, all right, now let's give our final order here. So, our number one is Darren Waller. He is our number one still. Uh, fantastic job by our man. Absolutely well done. All right, number two now. We're going to give it to... Oh, man. Oh, man. Who do we give it to? Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski? I think we have to give it to Travis Kelsey for the go-ahead score. Travis Kelsey, very, very well. Uh, uh, I'm going with Gronk, actually. I got to go with Gronk. Um, the reason why I'm going to give it to Gronk and uh, give Travis Kelsey this number three spot is because, uh, you know, the Browns had a couple of more opportunities to put points up on the board, uh, a couple of more possessions after that for both teams. Uh, where Rob Gronkowski, I mean, he was go. I know it was kind of the same thing there with the uh, with the with the Bucks, but just that great ability of the block and release for those touchdowns with uh, Gronk and maybe a little bit better but I mean folks between one two and three here all scoring a pluses it's hard to really differentiate and just kind of nitpick but I'm gonna go Travis Kelsey number three. Oh man that's still tough man go ahead touchdown though Oof, it's tough. All right, but those three up there. And then we've got uh, two more spots left. So our number four spot, we're going to go with, oh, man, Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas, you should have been utilized more, wasn't. They used him down the stretch when it truly mattered in the third quarter, but then never utilized him anymore after that. But uh, great job by him to take the lead. Um, you know, given that, you know, Ryan, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick went down and switching and all that, but a great performance there by Logan Thomas. And then our number five, it, we're going to give the credit to uh, TJ Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson. I mean, sheesh, I mean, making the best out of the worst situation. That is the Lions team, unfortunately, um, doing everything he can do. But uh, we'll do we'll give T.J. Hawkinson some credit for being the leading receiver at the tight end position. Uh, but uh, that's our top five here of our tight end power rankings: Darren Waller one, Gronk two, Travis Kelsey three, Logan Thomas four, and T.J. Hawkinson five. We'll see what these 
tight ends do on their next test and we'll grade them and we'll come back to see who is in the number one possession position of the summa cum laude of the 2021 tight end university Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today, folks. I know we went super late. Our camera has been dead for the last half hour, but we're going to get out of here, folks. We'll see you tomorrow for our Wednesday film study. Uh, sheesh, our longest show on record, but uh, we had a lot to go over and we had to fit it in all today. So, all right, folks, we'll see you tomorrow. Sheesh.